and I was over at my friend's house and his mom said, do you guys want to go see Spider-Man 2? And I said, yeah, I haven't seen that yet because I thought if I told her I'd already seen it, she wouldn't take me because I thought you weren't allowed to see <laughs> movies in theaters more than once. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to episode of Center Nation. My name is Brandon Sparks. And I'm Thomas Horton. And here at Center Nation, we spend each month discussing film genres and the tropes and stories within them. And on this episode, we will be concluding our month-long series on the spy genre. And oh, man. I should have said Horton, Thomas Horton. Oh, did you say just Thomas? Oh. No, no I, I should have, I should have, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, because we're, do- we're doing the, the episode that we've been hinting or we've been talking about for a month, but never, like, going in-depth with. Today, ladies and gentlemen... We're talking about James Bond and the entirety of the Bond film franchise. And maybe some reference to some other stuff as well, the the literary references as well. Um, but first, uh, Thomas, we, we've spent the whole month talking about spy movies, from Mission Impossible to the Jean Le Carre novels and all that stuff. What are some of the things, the tropes and stories we've kind of talked about this past month? Uh, we've talked about style, locations. Yeah. You know, nice suits, cool, cool places. We've talked about double agents and double crossing. You never know who to trust. Um, you're always getting stabbed in the back. Um, we've talked about kind of the way that the spies are characterized, like the the kind of cold, unfeeling killers versus the person who's like really trying to do good versus like, are you just a yeah. government? Uh, you know, are you just doing what the government tells you? um we we got into that a lot last week with our ethan hunt stuff you know as ethan mm-hmm. has been portrayed as someone who's like in it to save like a single life which isn't really something that you see in a lot of spies it's normally like yeah, yeah i'm out here i'm saving the world but like i don't really care about most people kind of thing yeah and, and what's interesting about that is that with uh the james bond franchise every actor kind of brings a different style like a different style and different vibe that goes with that idea of like connery sean connery being kind of a cold-blooded killer and i've heard like roger moore talk about how he's like oh i don't want to be that type character i want to be the character who just like wants to have fun and show Mm -hmm. that i'm having fun and like that the killing part is just part of the job that bond doesn't really like doing but he does it so he could go have sex with a lot of women and travel around the world but yeah it's interesting seeing kind of how within these different versions of bond they all kind of go hand in hand with that. And also the idea of like, you kind of touched on uh, with the having to choose between like the mission and the, and the life, like the personal life and how that's kind of a constant thread of protecting the people around you, you love or not becoming close to them at all as a way of protection, which I think is very um, prevalent in the bond franchise especially in the in the daniel craig movies i would say of the idea of like trying to protect the ones you love and or trying not to develop feelings in the process um so you're a big james bond fan thomas yeah man uh before this episode i was not a big james bond fan <laughs> yeah i think that's an understatement <laughs> well not because i didn't like it it was because i didn't watch any yeah, yeah. Uh, sometimes, sometimes people use the phrase like "I'm not a fan" to mean like I don't like it. But you are literally yeah. just like like not a yeah, fan, well, as in the well, absence the of any yeah. really James Bond knowledge. Period. Yeah, and there's a reason for that. Not like unlike Thomas, I did not grow up on like watching James Bond like on the holidays when it was running because it was like running on Thanksgiving a lot of times. Spike, I believe Spike, Spike TV. TV. Yeah. Yep. 
so I and then I was in high school when the Craig movies were coming out. And this is there are two reasons why I never got into the Bond franchise. One, I can't remember which happened first, but this is the big one. So my friends and I, one of them I know listens to the show. So Tyler, if you're listening, I blame you. Um, it was two friends. We went to the movies and like, hey, let's go see Quantum of Solace. And I was like, hey, guys, I haven't seen the Bond movies. Let's not let me let me watch Casino Royale first. And then like, we'll go. He goes, no, 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 no. I want to go see Quantum of Solace today. We're doing it. There's nothing else out. We're going. I'm like, okay, I'm going to hang out with my friends. I go, it doesn't matter what you saw. Like, you don't need to see anything before. Like, you're fine. Just come watch it. And it was also frustrating because we show up and my friend's like, hey, I don't have any money. Can you pay for me? <laughs> and then I had to pay for his ticket. And then as I'm walking, he goes, hey, are you getting popcorn? And I was like, for me, he goes, oh, well, can I share? And this is a tangent with this, but this is this is very etched in my mind of why I don't why I wasn't a fan of Bond movies. Uh, I get popcorn and he pours like nacho cheese dust or whatever all over <laughs> the popcorn. I don't eat that. And I was just like, this is great. So I'm already depressed. I pay for this guy ticket. I'm on a date with him of my friend because he didn't give any he didn't bring any money. And then Quan Masalas is the worst movie to start with because it's the only direct sequel to a Bond movie. And the other time, I think right after that, I tried to get into the Bond movies and I tried watching Dr. No and it was very slow and it was due back at the library. I was like, cool, I'm just going to take it back and I'll start another time. And then never did. Uh, But for today, I think I've watched like 12 Bond films in the past 12 days. Yeah. I've gone hard on James Bond. Um, but why why were you in love with James Bond? Like, how did that come about for you? Yeah, I think I said it on our first episode this month. But when I was a yeah. kid, I was probably like eight. Um, ABC started a thing where they were showing a James Bond every Sunday night. And it was this thing like I remember like hearing my parents have this conversation where they were like, I think Thomas might like the James Bond movies. And they were like, hi, we haven't seen them in a really long time. Cause this was still like, I mean, it was like the blockbuster days. Like my parents yeah, hadn't yeah. like revisited the James Bond movies, you know? And um, they were like, Oh, we haven't seen them in a long time. I don't really remember if they're appropriate, but they're on TV. It's on ABC. Like it's fine. And so that became a thing like Sunday nights. I could like stay up. It was like past my bedtime, but it turned into this thing. Like every Sunday night we could stay up and watch James Bond. And they went all the way through. Actually, they were going all the way through, and then I think they kind of stopped. And then we started going to Blockbuster and like renting them. But like some uh-huh. of the copies at Blockbuster were uh, the DVDs were like scratched up. And yeah. then I had to start being like, yo, guys, you need to get some new DVDs. Because how am I going to finish The Man with the Golden Gun if this DVD has a scratch <laughs> on it? Um, yeah. And it just kind of turned into this thing to, to watch all the way through. And then um, I was, yeah, I think we were, I think I was in like middle school when Casino Royale came out. And, um, yeah. And my dad and I went to go see it. Uh, and literally the next day, my I remember my mom and my sister were out of town. And I the next day, my dad and I were like sitting around. We had done some yard work or something. My dad was like, do you want to go see Casino Royale again? And I was like, yeah, you, you can do that. That's a thing. Like, you can go see a movie in the theater again. And he was like, sure. So we like literally 24 hours later, we, we went back. It was the actually the second movie I had ever seen in theaters twice. But the first one I had ever admitted to. Because one time... I had already seen Spider-Man 2 in theaters and I was over at my friend's house and his mom said, do you guys want to go see Spider-Man 2? And I said, yeah, I haven't seen that yet because I thought if I told her I'd already seen it, she, she wouldn't, wouldn't take you. me because I thought you weren't allowed to see movies in theaters more than once. 
<laughs> I thought that was a thing you couldn't do. I didn't know how they checked you. It checked mm-hmm. you when you walk in. Hey, have you seen this movie before? I didn't think it was like that, but I thought she was going to be like, <laughs> fine, I'm not buying you a ticket because you've already seen it. I mean, tickets were like eight bucks you, back then, so you it thought, wasn't that you big thought, of a deal. You, you, thought the, you thought the ethics were like, hey, you can't see it more than once in theaters because you're just taking someone else's spot. That's that's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, yeah. Did you read any Ian Fleming's novels at all? By the way, like, like, yeah, yeah, I used to, I used to pick them up kind of randomly wherever I would find them. Like, I would never like seek one out, but if I was at like yeah. a like a used bookstore or something, and I turned one up, so my my like reading of Fleming is kind of all over the place. Like, I read okay. Casino Royale, I read, I know I've read Goldfinger. Um, I randomly like had a copy of Octopussy. I read a few times. That was like <laughs> the first one I ever really owned. Um, and then I also got really into Anthony Horowitz started he was an author he wrote the um alex rider series yeah the amazon's about to adapt which is basically like teenage james bond mm-hmm. but the uh the fleming like estate reached out to him and was like hey do you want to write a series of like teen james bond and yeah. i read all of those those were great it was like james bond out of boarding school like and how he got tapped to um yeah to be- work for the secret service and he actually ended up he did so well with that series that he is now the like he's now Ian Fleming. Like they hired him on to just be the yeah. guy to continue the the series now. Uh, so I've been reading a lot of Bond, not reading the Bond novels because I wanted to get a sense of the franchise. So um, he doesn't know I'm doing this. I might tweet at him after this, but to the author, Mark Edlitz, I've been reading your book, The Main Lives of James Bond to prep for this. It's been very, very helpful. And also our buddy, Derek Delcor, who uh, wrote uh, his like thesis paper on James Bond in the cold war so i read mm-hmm. his 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 like uh college paper which was very insightful so thank you derek and thank you mark for your books for your book <laughs> um so yeah to go off that let's i want to talk a little about ian fleming real quick because i found a little research on him to kind of lay the groundwork for um for the james bond series his novels and then the movies um uh so fleming was born to a a wealthy family in london in 1908 his father died fighting in World War One, and so he left his uh, his wife, who was Ian's mother, everything like his estate and all that. But she could only keep it if she did not remarry, is what it was. So she didn't like had had affairs later on, had like a a, a child out of wedlock because of that. But Ian and his mother had a very rocky relationship, and as a way to kind of like disrespect her he never really gave her a he never called her mom or by her name he only referred to her as m is what it was and then later he became a journalist and then on the eve of world war ii fleming was recruited by the royal navy royal naval intelligence the secret intelligence service of britain he was later promoted to commander after he showed his like proficiency and skill as an administrator and moderator um and he worked closely with a a number of kind of intelligence people, some from America. One was a, a guy named Wild Bill Donovan, who was one of the fathers of the CIA. And then I also read, too, that, like, I think during that time or after the war or whatever, Fleming was in, like, a casino and he was playing cards with these Germans. He's like, hey, I'm going to take all their money, which in turn will hopefully affect the war or the Germans and take all the German government's money. I don't know why he thought this. Uh, <laughs> he ended up losing all his money. And he based that experience or he based Casino Royale on that experience of like being a a high stakes card game. And he was like, but that time James Bond won. And so that was the thing I think he he kind of like was a little bored. It sounds like with the 
the intelligent stuff he was doing. And I think we talked about this in the first episode of the month of how he then like wanted to like do the opposite, making an exciting life for a spy. Mm-hmm. And that's how James Bond came about. And then there is a lot. People were trying to adapt his series and novels into like TV shows, or there was even some a few like a radio play, I believe, at one point um, in like South Africa, like and, and like they did like a radio play of Moonraker. And then there was a there was a TV like version, uh, like a, like I think it was like Playhouse ninety, where they did like they like kind of one hour adaptations, but it was something like that. And they did a one hour version, I think, of Casino Royale, but I think it was an American agent named Jimmy Bond, not James Bond. I think it came out in 1954. And then they, they kept trying to make it into a movie. And it was um, Harry Saltzman, who was one of the initial producers on the Bond franchise. And he had the rights. Albert Broccoli came and was like, hey, I want to adapt it too. They co-partnered, and that's how kind of the movies began to start. And they went to a lot of big-name people to try to do the movie. I'll talk about them later in the episode. <laughs> and then that's kind of how Dr. No came about. And I guess with this episode, Tom, it's the best way to do it, because there's 24 movies <laughs> that have been made. Uh, I guess the best way is to probably talk about Bond by Bond. Like yeah. person by person is probably the best way to do it. Yeah. And if you like, I, I can talk about any of these movies, but if any of the ones have had a <laughs> impact on you recently, let's, let's dip into those for sure. Oh, for, well, okay. Uh, so we, so we'll start with Sean Connery and Connery is considered by many to be like the quintessential bond. Mm-hmm. And even as many of, of the actors who have portrayed bond have said, Sean Connery is the best. I would have to agree with that. Just because when watching these movies, for one, Dr. No is really unique in the Bond franchise because, A, they didn't have a lot of money, so it looks very cheap. Mm-hmm. Like, the sets are kind of, like, they look very, like, put like very put together. Like it they, looks like they, a television show. It looks like, like a television show. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And it's, like, kind of a few sets. They're in Jamaica. And so they kind of use like kind of the the beach kind of scenes. So they don't have to spend any money. I think I read they like basically built like three sets at Pinewood in London. And that was all they had. And they shot the rest in like Jamaica and other places. Um, only had a million dollars and it was a big hit. But Sean Connery, who was not really a well-known actor at that point, didn't really have anything big. First scene, it's amazing to behold how fully formed he is as James Bond mm-hmm. within his first shot. Yeah, there's not really a like trying to find Bond period with him. It's just like, no. yeah, I'm Bond. I'm James Bond. It's it's kind of astounding. Mm-hmm. And they do a really good job of like, and, th- and this is kind of the big kind of, um, not trope, but just kind of, it, it, the, every director who gets a new Bond is tasked with, how do I introduce this Bond? And so a lot of people choose to like, hold it a little bit and kind of like tease you by like not seeing his face. And with Dr. No, it's very much like you're seeing his hands. You're seeing kind of the back of his head and they go, what's your name? And it's like bond lights up a cigarette, James Bond. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's, it's, it's a whoo. Like it's a wow moment of like this guy already for someone, if seeing in the theater at that point, when it came out, I would have liked to have seen that feeling of just like how, how, how big of an impact that Connery had at that moment. It's like instantly iconic. It's just, boom, cultural icon. Neuf à la banque. 
I it need counted. another thousand. I admire your courage, Miss... Uh... Trench. Sylvia Trench. I admire your luck, Mr... Bond. James Bond. Mr. Bond, I suppose you wouldn't care to, um, raise the limit? I have no objections. Proposing, Madame. Now. Looks like you're out to get me. It's an idea at that. And and the other thing with Doctor No. Two is what makes it unique is that it's not. I mean, it's a spy story, but it plays more like a detective story. Yeah. And they even call him like, oh, so you're a detective. Like when he goes to Jamaica. They refer to him as a detective. And he's doing like very detective, like PI type stuff in the movie. Well, I mean, we'll talk about it as we go through, but like, is is James Bond a good spy? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, he, he's always, they give him cover and then he just shows up. And he's like, hey, I'm James Bond. And everybody's like, yeah. oh, you're James Bond. I'm on, I've been looking for you. It's like, dude, come on. Like, yeah. He just refuses. He's so, I guess, sure of himself. He, he refuses to ever be anyone else. He's just like, yeah, I got my cover. Throw it out the window. I'm Bond, James Bond. Like the ones, the only time right now, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, uh, on Diamonds for Forever. He's actually able to like play a character that's not James Bond. Like he's like, yeah, oh, I'm P- he, I'm he Peter does Franks. that. You only live twice, but that's as well. It's, it's very problematic. Yeah, and no, it is. It is. <laughs> but no, Doctor No, just it's it's I it's not the best Bond, and I wouldn't suggest starting at Doctor No first. Mm-mm. Because it is very slow, and they haven't really fully fleshed out the the like he Bond is is pretty like cemented, but it's the everything else around it that's not. Yeah, you 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 can see walking out of the theater going like I want to see Sean Connery do more of these movies, but that like that's the sentiment you take away from it. And so I I really like it. I like the weird charm of it. Like it, it the other thing too. Like if you just look at the movie as itself, take Connery out of it. That movie doesn't get a sequel, probably, Mm-mm. and because it looks like it looks like a lot, like especially towards the end of it. And I'm trying to spoil certain things in these in these in some of these movies, but like towards the end of it, when he's like kind of captured, because Bond always gets captured. That's not really a spoiler, but he's kind of in the 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 person's lair, Doctor No's lair, and it feels very much like 1950s like sci-fi like cheap sets. Mm-hmm. Like it feels like very much just like with the, with the kind of like like. Uh, party colored lightings of like blue and purple in the background the the rear projections of fish swimming around of like small fish but magnified so it looks Mm -hmm. like really big so yes some of it feels cheap i i was fine with it and i think literally that movie is carried through because of sean connery but it, it really picks up with from russia with love yeah we figured it out we gotta have like uh we gotta have like like bigger like Bare locations, more kind of romantic locations. I think another thing that From Russia With Love introduces really well that becomes a very important trope of this franchise is, yeah, you have your like big bad guy, but you also have to have a really good like singular henchman. Like there has to be one specific henchman that is like iconic. And that that becomes a thing throughout the franchise that you can you can pick out like the henchman almost as much as you can pick out the bad guys. Yeah. Robert Shaw is is great in this. The beginning of, of From Rush with Love, it's also the first time they have a cold open. Because there's mm-hmm. no cold open in Doctor No. Um, and the cold open becomes like a very prominent part of the Bond franchise. 
Yeah. I mean, what a great excuse. I mean, it's not always a set piece. Sometimes it's a set piece. Sometimes it's just like a little fun kind of dialogue scene. But what a great excuse to just drop drop a movie right into a set piece. Like, yeah, it doesn't have to necessarily tie into the plot. It's just like, here's what Bond's up to. And then and then you do the opening credits and then it's like, here's your new mission. Like, it doesn't always even tie into the new mission. Yeah, that's the thing that I like about it. And again, this is what why it gives off the vibe of just a 50 year long television show, because mm-hmm. it's like, hey, we're meeting Bond at the end of one mission that might connect to the next one or might not connect to the other one at all. And it's kind of just like you're constantly seeing this guy just pop in and out of this person's life. Um, like I said, very few, as we talked about, like, like continue from one to the other. But from Rush with Love kind of establishes that. And it's kind of a like a that's a more like stripped down spy movie, mm-hmm. which would make makes it I still think very unique in the in the franchise. Again, it's it's getting closer to what the Bond movies are going to be. And I think Connor Connor does improve. I think he's 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 more confident when it comes to from Rush, from Russia with love. Mm-hmm. compared to well, Dr. And it, like, it, i mean it, it also i think feels a little bit more like a spy movie because you've got like soviets in now you know it's it's instead of this like random guy in jamaica on an island it's like yeah there's soviets and then you start to get you know um a little bit of like hints in the background that there's an even bigger organization behind the soviets um yeah which you know will ultimately become kind of the driving force for at least the the connery bonds yeah, yeah, I think it it actually has some like real by, by by invoking like the Cold War and bringing that kind of espionage in, it does it does have its footing in a little bit more of like real spy work. It feels like. But I've never even heard of a Tatiana Romanova. Ridiculous, isn't it? It's absolutely crazy. Of course, girls do fall in love with pictures of film stars, but not a Russian cipher clerk with a file photo of a British agent, unless she's uh, mental. Hmm. No, it's some sort of trap. Well, obviously it's a trap. And the bait is a cipher machine. A brand new lector. A lector, no less. The CIA's been after one of those for years. Yes, so we. When she contacted Kerim Bey, head of Station T Turkey, and told him she wanted to defect, she said she'd turn it over to us on one condition. That you went out to Istanbul and brought her and the machine back to England. Here's a snapshot Kerry managed to get of her. Well, I don't know too much about cryptography, sir, but uh, Alecta could decode their top secret signals. The whole thing's so fantastic, it just could be true. Hmm, that had occurred to me. Besides, the Russians haven't been up to any tricks recently. Well, really, I'm not too busy at the moment, sir. You're booked on the 8.30 plane in the morning. If there's any chance of us getting a lector, we simply must look into it. Suppose when she meets me in the flesh, I don't come up to expectations. Just see what you do. We also begin to introduce the importance of music within this franchise. Mm-hmm. Like you don't, you have a theme song, but it's not played over the 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 opening titles like most of the films have. And I don't think it's a very good song. Is why it's probably one of the more forgettable ones. Like from Russia with love, like it's uh, very okay, like, over time. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'll give you the 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 vocals on that one aren't great, but like the the actual like score of it that they use oh, the throughout because great. the, the yeah. score of that film they mix the the from Russia with love theme in with the Bond theme, and it's it's yeah. got some of my favorite I think score of any of the movies. I, I I'll agree. 
I'll agree. It's a great score. I'm just that song is just very like. Yeah, it's, it's okay. It's very like <laughs> '60s lounge singer. Yeah, yeah. They really didn't come into their own until Goldfinger, as far as like theme songs go. Goldfinger to me is peak Connery Bond, just mm. peak Connery franchise, and it's where they fully get into. Uh, they fully get into like the style and tropes of yeah. the Bond franchise. Everything yeah. is firing on all, all cylinders there. You have still pro- arguably one of the greatest, the greatest Bond song with Goldfinger. And I still think one of the more iconic images of, of the Bond franchise is the, the, the woman painted up in gold. Mm-hmm. and that's how she's like killed spoiler alert it's in the beginning <laughs> but uh but but it's a very haunting image and mm-hmm. connery is just like peak charismatic sex appeal um we're throwing in more locations and the the Ast- aston martin is 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 very prominent throughout most of the series but like very prominent in goldfinger you've got your like classic bad guy you've got a great like, yeah. over the top bad guy you've got probably one of the best henchmen in the whole series one of the probably the most iconic henchmen you've got your absolutely ridiculous bond girl names i think that's the beginning of yep pussy galore very much so <laughs> and her and her like flying circus or whatever yeah. it is yeah yeah so that I, yeah I, I think this is the one that really went like okay this is what the franchise this, is now. yeah and i think that's very key and i was telling a friend of mine last night i was like with a bond movie what makes a good one like like a great one a good one like a mediocre and bad one is like you have those kind of things you mentioned you have a villain a henchman uh, a song somewhat believe or not believable plot but under like 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 understandable plot it's not confusing mm-hmm. and if you don't have one of those elements it's always going to bring the movie down a little bit yeah and i do think there's several movies Within the Bond franchise, and this is a personal opinion, this might be controversial, but I think there's several movies that people look back on too fondly because the song was too good. <laughs> I think there's a couple there's a couple movies in the franchise that people look back on and they're like, yeah, that was a, one of the good ones. And I'm like, no, you're just thinking the, of the theme song, which was great. Yeah. But like, the movie itself is like middle tier, maybe lower tier at best. What, give me an example of that real quick, Thomas. I mean, I think I personally I love Live and Let Die. It's just a like cultural thing, you know. It's like a a, a bond within a black exploitation film, which is yeah. ridiculous and awful yeah. and outdated. But it, it's fa- it's a fascinating watch. Um, just as a as a as a time capsule of like British filmmakers trying to copy what was happening in like black exploitation film in America at the time. But yeah, you get Paul McCartney doing the theme song and everybody's like, oh yeah, Live and Let Die. I like that one. I'm like, did you? Did you did really? You? <laughs> well, Live and Let Die, that, that might be the only Bond song that has eclipsed the movie. Yeah, I mean, they had a hit with it, like as a single, for sure. Yeah, like as Paul, it's Paul McCartney, it's Wings. I I heard of this, the song more than I heard of the movie, and I always assume, oh, they used the song for the movie, not thinking it was written for the movie as a young mm-hmm. child or as a young teenager. And it's weird coming to, I don't want to go too far and live and let die yet, but like it's weird coming to that movie knowing yeah, the songs. Drop, we don't want to jump a full bond. No, no, no. You know, we're not, we're not jumping a full bond. Um, 
well, coming to that movie and hearing it over the credits, I'm like, this doesn't feel right to me. Because the <laughs> songs become so ingrained in my mind as like a Paul McCartney wing song and not as a Bond song. It almost feels out of place. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, so yeah. So Goldfinger, again, as I said, with all those kind of elements of a good villain, a good henchman, a good Bond girl or Bond woman. That's how it's referred to. We're, I'm trying my best to say Bond woman because I believe in that. Um I think it's very derogatory to say Bond girl. Um, it becomes more I'm just, Bond. I'm just laughing because I think it's it's incredibly uh, disrespectful just in general how women are treated in these movies. No, so, I, like, I the agree. The difference between yeah. Bond girl and Bond, Bond woman will, is that that's fair. <laughs> marginal. I, I, we'll get into that later when it comes to the Dalton movies because I think they actually said that's where like the transition of Bond girl to Bond woman happens mm. is the Dalton films. So. Uh, but ha- you have all these elements that are work, and I feel like in Goldfinger, it's the first time where every one of them works and mm-hmm. works well. And your thoughts on on Goldfinger and any of the first two I mentioned that we haven't? Talked yeah, no, about? I think it, I think it's iconic. It's it's not top five for me. Oh, but from Russia with Love is I love from Russia with okay. Love. I think. Um, Tatiana in that movie is fantastic. I think it's wild that they, yeah. like right right off the bat, they they introduce like a really, like Doctor No was eh, questionable at best as far as like honey, um, but I don't know. I think she's a really good like foil for him, and I think they have great chemistry. And it's it's I, I like that they brought in like a female spy kind of right away. Like she's she's a little bit more capable than you would think. Um, yeah, I love yeah, yeah. that one's that one's top five for me. Um, Goldfinger is great, definitely top ten, but um, it's not one I I like to revisit as often. It's I think it's a okay. great like first couple of times rewatches, but it's okay. not one I come back to a whole lot. I like the first I like the first half better than the last half. Also, from Rush with Love, the the only, it's one of the few times they have a a Bond girl slash Bond woman return from the previous one, mm-hmm. and that's uh, Sylvia Trench. Because apparently she was supposed to be in all like the first six movies. She was supposed oh, to have really? like a reoccurring role as like Bond's semi-regular girlfriend. Hmm. And it'd be like, oh, it, which makes Bond look terrible, by the way. I mean, he's already yeah. looked terrible in some ways, but like, yeah, it'd be like I feel like they they took that energy and like rerouted it towards his like flirtations with Miss Money Penny. Cause cause the other thing too that comes into play with these Bond films is the is the Bond woman and the the variations of it. Of like there's three types. There's the 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 femme fatale type character, usually the one that betrays Bond at some point or was already bad, and at some point Bond is trying to charm them to be on the good side or something like that. Then you have the the for a lack of a better phrase, kind of the sacrificial Bond girl that usually comes in early is an early love interest for bond and then gets killed like halfway through. Mm-hmm. And then you have the third bond woman who is like, comes in middle of the movie and then is with bond for like the rest of the film. And like, is the one that ends up with bond, the final scene of the movie. Yeah, that's, that's exactly how it works. Yeah. Which is what is called the ending of the movie from some of the writers. They call it the O James moment. Yep, that's, that's when, he, when he throws away whatever communication or tracking yep. device he has. M's always like, "James, we're coming to pick you up. Where are you?" And he tosses it into the sea, and then they float off on a life raft. 
It's one of those, or they're in they're in a hotel room, or it's a wonder he's never died. As many times yeah. as he's like destroyed a GPS so he can have some extra time alone with a woman, like he's he's done it out in the snow before. He's done it out adrift in the sea before. How do they ever yeah. find him? There was one. There was one. It was in a, a view to kill where it's like they're in a submarine. He's like, ah, put on an autopilot. We got we got three days where we get back home. And I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's always like, there's gas in the tank. Here we go. Yep. Yeah, I think it comes in the, in, into more with Goldfinger because you have like, I think you actually have two women who get killed in that movie, if I'm not mistaken, uh, in Goldfinger. It's like two sisters because it starts off as like the revenge, like uh, one sister dies, the other one's out for revenge, something happens to her, and then Pussy Galore shows up middle middle of the movie and becomes like, she's Goldfinger's like a henchman of Goldfinger and then she kind of helps, she is tempted to turn with Bond or whatever. Um, but I think those first three films of Connery as Bond are kind of like the, you're seeing the, the, up as you go up the ladder and how it's progressing every time Goldfinger, mm. the big thing it adds that is a, I think is a good thing and a bad thing within the Bond franchise, depending on how you use it is the idea of gadgets because yeah. gadgets aren't really prominent and Dr. No, aren't really prominent from rush with love. But I think I read someone said like once Sean Connery ejects a dude out of the passenger seat and Goldfinger, everything changes. Mm-hmm. And it's all about what cool gadgets can we do? What can Q do for Bond? And that's where here's, the kind of- here's my question. I, yeah. I, here's my big question about James Bond from a from a storytelling point or from like a within the story point. It's like I mean, it's like Chekhov's gun, like everything that Q gives him always works out perfectly and the question is uh is it sloppy writing is it sloppy writing that it works out like that or is bond just that good of an agent that he always gets himself in these situations he knows exactly what gadgets he has on him yeah and he knows that he's going to get in a situation where he can do this exact thing at this exact time and spring this gadget and it's going to work perfectly i mean the bigger question is is why is q so smart that's the thing because q knows Q just knows Bond needs mm-hmm. it at this exact moment in time. But they never, they never like follow the rule of threes and like give him an extra gadget that he's not going to no. use. It's always like the exact things that he's going to need exactly for his mission. Oh yeah, this is uh like in that and that comes into play even in like Spectre. Always Spectre, mm-hmm. it's like like Q only gives him like one thing, and it's a watch that can explode, and it's like cool. And at the, and at the moment he needs, it's like hey. Throw this watch at 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 uh at Christoph Waltz. Um jumping ahead. Um but Goldfinger I think also establishes this is a side thing, but it becomes kind of a a little bit of a, a relationship trope, I guess you could say. Is I think Goldfinger is where you have Q and Bond that's the first time Q and Bond kind of have this like conflicting relationship, like a um they don't hate each other, but Q is always just like, you keep messing up my stuff, Bond. I Please give you try and return the equipment unharmed. Yeah. Like, Q is, Q, is, Q is the guy who's like, I'm doing so much intelligent things and these, like, wonderful inventions. And this, like, just, like, womanizing. Drunk. Drunk. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Alcoholic. Gambling addict. Just keeps messing up my shit. Like, he just keeps breaking it. <laughs> He just keeps breaking it, and I'm getting tired of it. That's that's what Q is. I've, I've seen these. I've seen these things where people go through the movies and put together like how many drinks Bonds had and how he would be like dead of liver damage at this point. But yeah. I've never seen anybody put up the tally of just like 
how much of like British government money he's cost in like crash Aston <laughs> Martins and stuff. But also like, you know, you're sending him like a, halfway across the world with this Aston Martin. You, do you really expect it to get back to you? No, no, you don't. <laughs> Sometimes he's got, he's got crashed into a river, like just to get out, get out situation. This is gold, Mr. Bond. All my life I've been in love with its color, its brilliance, its divine heaviness. I welcome any enterprise that will increase my stock, which is considerable. I think you've made your point, Goldfinger. Thank you for the demonstration. Choose your next witticism carefully, Mr. Bond. It may be your last. The purpose of our two previous encounters is now very clear to me. I do not intend to be distracted by another. Good night, Mr. Bond. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. There is nothing you can talk to me about that I don't already know. The next two Connery films, Thunderball and You Only Live Twice. Thunderball is a weird, like, that's the one I was like, oh, this is like Austin Powers. Yeah, they start to get a little campier there. Spe- the idea of Spectre starts coming in, which yeah. for better or for worse is like, they were like, eh, from Russia with Love, that was a little too real. Like, we don't want to start antagonizing the Russians too much. Here's, like, Spectre. It's like Hydra in the yeah. Marvel movies. It's like, yeah. they're they're communists, but, like, they're not actual. They're they're their own personal brand they of were, They were so bad, they left communist Russia to do yeah. their own stuff. That's what it yeah, is. I mean, that's Hydra exactly. It was like, there's, here's this offshoot of Nazis that are worse than Nazis. Um, yeah, I, I'm happy to... to move on from connery if you are um thunderball is just like way too over the top and you only live twice i actually kind of love for the camp of it but it is wow it is it's awful. a wacky you know you know who wrote that movie who roll doll ah charlie and the well, chocolate factory author it is very racially insensitive it is but um but i do i do love the the introduction like the real introduction of blofeld and and um and the just the whole you know volcano a secret base in the volcano and yeah. the ninja fight and the it's I, I love i love the ending of that movie that's one of my like it's, it's that's fun. one of my favorites that i would never recommend to anyone else but me personally if i'm going to watch a james bond movie i'm pulling up that one it's a it's a wacky one it's like it's just it feels it's just it's it's oh man when i was a kid when i was a kid i was terrified that some a ninja was going to climb in my ceiling and drip <laughs> poison down a string into my mouth to kill me I love the opening of that where like Yeah. Uh, and, and also solid song. Nancy Sinatra, yeah. solid song. You only live twice. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's a it's a great cold open where they just like shoot the absolute yeah. crap out of James Bond and you're like, Oh, okay, why am I why am I here? He just got shot a hundred times with machine guns. <laughs> and that's you only live twice. But real quick, so I, we'll come back we'll we'll come back to him in Diamonds Forever a little bit, but when looking at these five films of Connery as Bond how would you sum up Connery as Bond? Um, he is there to seduce women and crack jokes, and he does not care. If he has to murder you to get a good pun off, he's going to do it. Like, <laughs> I, I think if you look at all the ones in the Bond franchise, Connery's the most cold-blooded one. Yeah, yeah. He do, he has absolutely no regard for human life. And, yeah. And he's, he's not... It's funny because he has, like, the cheesy puns. 
it it doesn't maybe it doesn't feel as cheesy as more does because more is like trying to have more fun with it but i mean he is ruthless he will just like run a car full of people off the road and then be like looks like they had tire trouble and it's just like dude so many people just died <laughs> yeah there's a scene in dr no where it kind of sets the tone for that where he sets up a dude who comes into his uh, apartment or his like his room that he's in has a brief thing and he just goes okay and then shoots him like three times like mm-hmm. the guy doesn't provoke him he and this is after the guy the guy's unarmed because he grabs for his gun tries to shoot connery but it's unloaded and then connery's like oh you should have counted the bullets it's very like dirty harry-esque and then just shoots the dude i don't know if it goes that cold-blooded for the like the for the rest of connery's things but it's that's in your mind that he's this he because he's a cold blood killer and he and he absolutely just uses women and tosses them aside like there's yeah there's multiple storylines in here where he is like with a woman and like 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 tatiana or with his like wife and you only live twice it's like i am in love with you let's run away together after this is over and you just know that that is like no that's just false he is lying and that's a good setup for on her majesty's secret service so connery didn't want to do bond anymore so he goes away and now it's like this it's like scarlet o'hara got with the women they're like searching for a new person <laughs> a person to play this who's gonna play james bond who's gonna play james bond and they go with this australian model who's never acted before and that's george lazenby do you know how he got this role thomas like how it all no. went down hmm. so so george lazenby was from he was australian it was australian was first a car mechanic then a used car sale a car salesman there's a good documentary on this called becoming bond on hulu about lazenby's kind of story as a car salesman some guy's like hey i want to get like photos of you i want to do headshots for you he's like whoa what are you who is this guy uh guy has headshots for him he becomes a model becomes a pretty like like a pretty pretty famous model uh he gets an acting agent and she's like hey go audition for james bond and he shows up like i'm george lazenby here for for audition for james bond and the guy the people are like hey we don't know who you are go away and the agent's like oh no you have to like just force your way in there just like use your james bond persona and just like walk on in there so he goes he just he basically rushes the casting office meets the casting director and just he's like oh i've I've made movies in China and Japan, like all these different places. They're like, we should use you. And they bring him in the director and the director's just like, what have you done? And he's just like, I've done nothing. I've lied this entire <laughs> time. They go, he goes, Oh man, you know what? Keep up your story and I'll make you James Bond. <laughs> and, and he does a screen test and the producers were kind of iffy on him. They liked him because he accidentally punched out a stuntman he was working with. <laughs> And so he had to, like, all these different screen tests of like fighting tests, swimming tests. And so he's this like unknown guy and he comes in coming after Connery. And Iron Magic Secret Service is very unique in the Bond franchise because it's Lazenby's only movie. They offered him a seven picture deal, which he turned down. He's like, no, I'm just going to make one. A lot of people, t- I mean, it's, Thomas, I told you just before, like, I know some people who said this was like a forgettable James Bond movie. I know people who say this is the worst James Bond movie. Yeah, I've heard that too. And so I was like, so when I was coming in, I was like, oh, like maybe, uh, maybe this isn't that good. And I, I had heard people say that I, that I am friends with or know like, oh yeah, this isn't that good of a movie. So when I came in, I had low expectations, even in like the many lives of Bond book, 
even some of the directors kind of like rag on this movie, it feels like. And so I had low expectations. And then when I got done, I texted a buddy of mine. I was like, hey, screw everyone who talked bad about George Lazenby and this movie. Because this movie, I I get why some people might not like it because it's, it's, it subverts a lot of the Bond tropes we've kind of discussed in some way. Mm-hmm. Like there's certain things that happen that like they kind of go a different. They're trying. It feels like they're trying to make it their own. It was directed by Peter, Peter R. Hunt, and he was the editor for like a lot of the Connery Bonds, and he kind of developed the fast cutting of the Bond films. And so when he came in to direct this movie, he's like, "Hey, I want to make this feel like my movie and not like another movie." So the the weird thing about Honor, Majesty's Secret Service is that it feels both of the Connery Bond world but also something new and fresh. Mm-hmm. And so on our match secret service, there's kind of this whole uh, thing where Bond, essentially the big thing that makes it so different is that he falls in love and eventually like wants to get married to this woman, mm-hmm. which doesn't really happen in the Bond franchise. Yeah, no, Sean Connery, Sean Connery would never. No, and so when why? Because I've heard some friends say, "Oh, like the I really want to see like if I, I would love to see this movie with Sean Connery." When mm-hmm. watching it, I don't know if Connery could have played this version of Bond. I don't think we would have believed him. I don't like, think we've yeah. seen him. We've seen him lie to women so long that for him to be like, "I want to get married," we'd be like, yeah. "What's he trying to do? Like, what's he trying to get out of this woman?" And I just don't think that would work. Also, too, because there's a part where Bond, where Bond goes un- for a good chunk of the movie goes undercover as like a bookish kind of like a historian or whatever to mm-hmm. like talk with a uh, Blofeld who's like also is un- like has a different name now to be mm-hmm. under. I, I, I uh, he's kind of undercover, but like, I don't see bond at uh, Connery as the guy showing up with like glasses and a hat and being no. kind of bookish and like believable as a nerd. But Lazenby, like, it works. I see him, he, he, he could be, he's not as sexy and charming as Connery, but he kind of doesn't have to be. Like, for the plot, he doesn't need to be that way. Mm-hmm. I also think this movie is, like, the, the most visually stunning film outside of maybe the pre some of the pre, or the, the Craig movies. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it it had a big influence on Steven Soderbergh and Chris, and Christopher Nolan. Like the whole, there's a big raid sequence at the end of the movie that's basically the ending of Inception. Yeah, and and Nolan said that like that's what it, they, that was his big inspiration was this movie. Yeah, on well, the skiing and the you know all that all the like snow level of of Inception. It's the first one to bring in skiing to the Bond franchise, which weirdly becomes like a a big part of Moore's bonds it feels like because mm-hmm. i think in a, a view to kill and i think spy love me it starts with like bond skiing and it's it's set up in iron match secret service but yeah the locations are beautiful the editing's great i think it really does a good job of of continuing the relationships with the new bond with like money penny and q and m like at the there when the wedding happens, there's these kind of nice moments of like with Q and Bond where Q actually is like shows that he cares about Bond. And then there's also because the another big part of this thing is the is the flirtation between Money Penny and Bond. And Money Penny like has this kind of like is as upset it feels like. Not like a negative like she's like happy for Bond, but like, oh, we'll never be together type thing, it feels like when she's crying at the mm-hmm. wedding. 
But uh, it's also the only Bond film I think of that actually has like Christmas in it. Like it's actually mm. a it's actually a holiday movie because like I think some of the big climax or part of the climax takes place around Christmas. So yeah, those are my thoughts on Iron Magic Secret, Secret Service. Yeah, what are your yeah, thoughts? I think what are your it, thoughts? It, it gave us an entirely like new type of Bond, and I think it did introduce the idea that like we bond is bond is whoever is playing him like everyone Mm -hmm. who comes after connery doesn't have to do a sean connery impersonation yeah and i think that's why it took so long for people to come around to it because i mean it's it's tough to recast a franchise it's always every every franchise who's ever tried doing it has seen that and um i mean we saw we talked about it last week of mission impossible and trying to bring jeremy renner in um but i'm I'm glad that like i i have seen in real time the general population come around on this movie and it's been really great to see um because yeah i think it's it's very unique and and i i don't know if it would stand out as much if lazenby had gone on to do more i agree but i think it's this really interesting thing and that a lot of people jump over it especially because connery came back afterwards i think a lot of people just kind of jump over this one when they're like thinking of bond and so it's really nice and kind of refreshing to have like the one that everybody skips actually turn out to be like one of the best ones what really went on up there james Mm-mm. the majesty's secret service has stole my job but there isn't anything you can do about your job at the moment is there mm-hmm. thinking about it now. I'm not. I'm thinking about us. Tracy, an agent shouldn't be concerned with anything but himself. I understand. We just have to go on the way we are. find something else to do. Are you sure, James? I love you. I know I'll never find another girl like you. Will you marry me? I mean, the score is great. The stunts are great. I I think, honestly, I think Telly Savalas is a better Blofeld than uh, Donald Pleasance. Mm. Uh, I think they have a lot of great moments. I don't know, man. I do love the Donald Pleasance. Donald Pleasance is just like, it's, it's again, it's the Connery over the top bond. Uh, I think I think Donald Pleasance has also been like ruined a little bit by, uh, by uh, Dr. Evil. <laughs> That's true. Especially his version. Yeah, I yeah. agree with that. But... I, I just I like it, it just feels and and, and also Honor Match Secret Service it's based on the novel for it it was the first novel that was written after the movies had come out so Fleming mm. had kind of taken away a lot of the gadgets in the movie or in the book so the 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 movie was kind of a, a traditional adaptation of the book so that's why it's kind of a more stripped down uh spy movie and then diamonds are forever happens they're just like well you guys didn't love that one 
Lazenby said, I'm not doing another one. And they go, let's just go back to Connery and let's make it, let's go back to the camp version of it. Yeah. There's a, there's a satellite made out of diamonds and it's going to laser everyone. It's, yeah, it's very campy. I don't have much to say. And, and Connery's <laughs> getting old. Like, that's the thing. It's God, like, he's, he is getting old in this He's one. getting old. I, 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 that's when I was noticing. I was like, oh, he's starting to get kind of up there and that's a but big I, I do think this is the first one that really strikes me and, and this is what stands out to me especially for the more era leading into the more era and into even i think the dalton area this is the first one that feels like it is trying to reflect what is going on in the world around it yeah instead of just being james bond it's trying to like incorporate pop culture and, you know, they go to Vegas and it's the 60s and it's like Sinatra, like Rat Pack Vegas. And it's just, yeah, it, it feels yeah. weird. And that's going to become something that plays in very heavily to more, uh, especially. America becomes a bit, uh, I mean, it, it happens in Goldfair because he goes to Kentucky. Um, mm. But like America becomes like a go to spot for a while in these films in the 70s and 80s. Which, you know, I'm not mad about because Felix Leiter solid solid supporting <laughs> bond character i love whenever felix pops, pops up i'm like yeah felix happy to see you good to see you that's again that tv show vibe of i think you talked about in the first episode like how like cool we're gonna get felix Leiter in this in this movie yeah i don't know i just love it he's always so, super casual like whether it's i, I don't know i love i love i, I was Rewatching uh uh the Living Daylights the other day, and I completely forgotten because in like the the more era, he's like older and he's got his like Hawaiian shirts on, and he calls him Jimmy, and he's super casual. And then and then the one they brought in to be Timothy Dalton's uh, Felix is like very like eighties yuppie Wall Street, yeah, bro. Very <laughs> like, much <crappy>. so. <laughs> he's only in that movie. That's the weird yeah. part is they bring back one of the guys who played Felix Leiter from the more movies for License to Kill. They're mm. just like, let's forget that guy, that young guy existed. He wasn't a great actor, game. but it was it was a very he, interesting he, he was, for, for Felix. Well, I don't think he had great chemistry with Dalton. That was my mm. thing. He didn't have great chemistry with Dalton, but we'll we'll get into that. But yeah, so Connery leaves after Diamonds Are Forever. And and to to again to reference Lazenby and then into more, the Bond franchise feels it's a test run for every other like current franchise that came after it, or every franchise mm-hmm. that came after it. And that's the big key is can you recast someone? I think I think, you know, a lot of people talk about how the Marvel universe now is is television yeah. in theaters. And I think the Bond franchise is the first ever franchise you can point to and say, This is this is television but coming to a theater. Um and and not a lot of franchises have really been able to replicate it other than maybe the Marvel Cinematic Universe and, and I don't know, the Fast and Furious movies at this point have really been able to replicate that feeling of like, you're con- you're going to come see this no matter who's in it, as long as it's called a James Bond movie. And that and that's true. And and and, and I do think it, sh- it it laid the the groundwork for like movies like, say, the Batman series in the 80s and 90s that were able to it not i'm not saying to a bet like they were better replacements but like to replace keaton with kilmer and to replace with Clooney, but then also bring in oh we can revamp it and bring in christian bale like you can do these different things and people like i said are gonna like oh it's a batman movie i'm gonna go see batman and that's what happens with bond and lazenby was the early example of that and then more even more so um with live and let die so 
end of the Moore movies. I'm not a huge fan of the Roger Moore movies. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> they they definitely like like we, when we said they leaned into the camp for Diamonds Are Forever. They, they decided to stick with it. <laughs> uh, and I do agree that like you have like Live and Let Die is kind of it's the it's the black exploitation movie. It's all it's like set in Harlem for a lot of it, and then you get Moonraker, which was being made because Star Wars was a big hit uh, worldwide. Like, oh, we should make moonraker which i hear is very different than the novel that's not like moonraker the movie at all um but yeah because i think even after spy who loved me the plan i think was for your eyes only was the next was the follow-up to spy who loved me and mm. i think even in the in the ending of it's oh because all, all at the end of every movie there's the james bond will return in this and this they have it all planned out in the spy who loved me in for your eyes only but at the end of spy who loved me it says James Bond will return in For Your Eyes Only, but the next one's actually Moonraker. Because they're one like, oh, let's put him in space because Star Wars is doing really well. Mm-hmm. But Moore ended up being the, the longest tenured in terms of movies with seven films. And I think if you like the the campiness of the air, it's also like um, in the 70s and the 80s, I think, especially the 70s, especially while, or he goes over to like different countries a lot, especially America. I think in Britain at the time, there's a lot of like turmoil, like politically. There's a lot mm-hmm. of protest and like bloody uh, uh, Sunday Blaze Sunday was happening. Like all these different things were happening in England. And so Moore's Bond became more of an escapism than Connery's was, if that makes sense. Like it becomes mm-hmm. the the fun, like I'm having fun, I'm going to. I'm skiing. Uh, uh, we're dealing with submarines, and we're I'm going to New York. I'm going. To, like, it's very much a more. I'm going to space, and it's very much the wink and a smile bond. Yeah, where more always has like a smirk on his face. Like yeah. he he's having a good time. He's just yeah. there for the adventure of it all and to, to to crack some jokes. What an unexpected pleasure! Welcome to the Majava Club. Buy you a drink, Major Amasova. Or may I call you Triple X? So you know who I am. You made quite an impression. I'm sorry about Ivan and Boris. They exceeded their orders. Good stuff is hard to find these days. Yes, sir. The lady will have a Bacardi on the rocks. For the gentleman, vodka martini, shaken, not stirred. Touche. Commander James Bond. Recruited to the British Secret Service from the Royal Navy. Licensed to kill and has done so on numerous occasions. Many lady friends, but married only once. Wife killed All right, you've made your point. You're sensitive, Mr. Bond. About certain things, yes. Now, if you'll excuse me, tragically, I have a previous engagement. Happily enough, so do I. Goodbye, Mr. Bond. Well, let's say au revoir. I have the oddest feeling we'll be meeting again sometime. I think his best one is the spy who loved me for me. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that that's the, the more it still has the campiness of a more film. And it has like jaws, the henchman, uh, and that with the, with the metal teeth and everything. Um, so it has a lot of things that, that work for a bond film. And I think that's like his prop, one of his more serious ones mm-hmm. and what makes it one of his strongest ones. Do you have any comments on like Moonraker for your eyes only Octopussy? Uh, yeah, I I think 
it's it's really what i love about this franchise really is is you can because it's been running so long you can track like film uh trends through these movies and his especially are so interesting because you start i mean you drop he drops in with this like black exploitation film uh and then he does man with the golden gun which is just bizarre and is like really taking out of after like the weirdness of 70s cinema i think yeah um, but then you start to see it like you see this influence of Star Wars. And then as you're getting towards Octopussy and A View to a Kill, I think you're starting to see the influence of American action movies, especially like, uh, you know, you're starting to have the rise of like Schwarzenegger and Stallone in America. And I think A View to a Kill especially is like, yeah. you know, with like Grace Jones is, you know, playing this like uh, bodyguard and, and all this. It, yeah, it, it feels like an American action movie with James Bond dropped into it. A Beauty of Kill, especially, because I, I, I watched that one last night. I was like, man, it's just like pure 80s cheese. Mm-hmm. Like, Chris Christopher Walken is playing, like, psychotic villain. Moore, Moore didn't like this one as much. He said, like, that was his least favorite Bond film he was in because you have, like, Chris Walken, like, just, like, machine gunning people down. Mm-hmm. And it feels, like, very... It's, it's um, conflicting with Moore's, like, charming bond character it's he's he is very he's a 70s bond that got trapped in an 80s movie yeah and it's and vita kill feels just like oh let's put bond in uh paris let's have bond Mm. go up the eiffel tower that'll be fun or oh let's have bond fight on the golden gate bridge it feels very much like let's put bond in these landmarks you've never seen him go to and he probably has no reason to go to because he's a british agent (laughs) um but he's gonna go to france he's gonna go to uh america and so a view to a kill for one sleeper in terms of like the song and the score (laughs) i i love the score i love the song john barry who is one of the big composers of the bond franchise especially i think everything like pretty much from majority of it and from the the 60s into the 80s uh worked with duran duran and like helped them write the song for a view to a kill and it's very prominent throughout the entire movie. It's, it works. I think it works perfectly. And I think it's the best thing about this movie is the score. Um, but man, it's the, the part that I, I had to, I had to pause and watch over again because I thought it was so outlandish in eighties. <laughs> it's the, it's the name drop of the title. So Chris, Chris Walken, mm. Chris Walken is wanting to uh, cause an earthquake in Silicon Valley and basically sink off Silicon Valley. But they're flying on a helicopter and him and Grace Jones are in the helicopter and they're looking over the Golden Gate Bridge. And Grace Jones goes, ah, what of you? And then Chris Walker just comes into frame to a kill. And I was just like, what? What does that even mean? Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> like, it just comes out of nowhere and he's just like, to a kill. And I'm like, what? What are your con- She's just... What and I was I was like, it just felt yeah, like hey, we, I, I we got we, we got to drop the title somewhere in this movie. I think the transition from Octopussy to A View to a Kill is the most stark transition within the same actor because because Octopussy is cheesy. He, he's yeah. he's with a traveling circus through a lot of that movie, and he spends much of the the climax of that film in full clown makeup. Um, and then to just drop it, I. I'd be interested to know if they were already looking for a new Bond when he 
did a view to a kill because it feels like they were planning on having someone younger and like I, more serious i can confirm that's a yes they were uh, and yeah. we'll talk about that that's, later. that's what it feels like it yeah. feels like they were like which is which i'm kind of nervous that this is what uh no time to die is gonna feel like but um Oh, yeah, like, they, if, like they needed a new actor and they didn't cast a new yeah, actor. Like they, well, they were already planning for a new one. Like they were just yeah. like, here's the direction we want to go in. When the franchise has already established that like, this is the perfect time to change your actor. Like if you want to go in a new direction, we have, we have attachments to this bond. We know what he is like. Yeah. We know what he does. We know his personality. Give us a new bond to fit yeah. this new style you're going for. Well, here, and I'll jump ahead a little bit with this. I'm a, I'm going to take Lazenby. I'm going to take Dalton out of the equation because they didn't make mm-hmm. enough movies for this 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 comment. Most Bond films, their worst move, most most Bond actors, their worst movie is their last one. Yeah, Diamonds that's, are forever. That's the point when you when you hit like you either I think with with someone like more it came where they were like we because I don't I don't think Octopussy is his worst one. I think Moonraker's probably or maybe Man with the Golden Gun. Um, but you can see where they were like, we want to take the franchise in a new direction. Mm-hmm. And they, they did it. They did that all to him and he yeah. just didn't fit the new direction. But with something like jumping a little bit ahead with something like Brosnan, you get to this point where it was like, after they made it, they kind of sit and go, Oh, we need to take this franchise in a new direction. Like they didn't realize it until after that movie was made. Yeah. Cause, cause Brosnan was supposed to do another one. Like he was signed. That's the thing with, with the, a lot, a lot of the actors in, um, and James Bond, they signed on. They signed on for like a seven-year deal or like a mm. four or five movie deal. And the only ones that haven't, that didn't do more than three, were Lazenby and Dalton. And then we'll talk about why Dalton didn't do any more. I guess in a minute. Uh, but yeah, like I say, why I think with Craig, because I also think Spectre is Craig's worst movie. Um, and so I wonder if Craig's like, let me do one, let me try to make one last good one. Try to make this right. And then hang it up because every Bond, one of their worst, I think their their last film is is their worst or arguably their worst movie that fits, doesn't fit with the Bond they're doing. Like, I don't really think Diamonds Are Forever really fits the Connery Bond pre-Lazenby. And mm. A View to a Kill isn't the spy who loved me more or anything. So more more is 57 when he left a view, for a view to a kill. Like that was the last movie. He said he also didn't like that. Uh, why he was. It's one of his least favorites. Like, oh, I look so old. He's like, I was horrified to find out when I was on set that my love interest, her mother was younger than me. <laughs> well, and he was he like, recognizes he it. was like, I think it's time to hang this up, guys. And Connor even said, like, he was just like, I was too old to play it. And he's like, and Moore's too, Moore's too old, too. Like, he's he was, like, aware, like, er, er, I, I, the, the, the Bonds, especially with Connery and Moore, because they were doing it so long, they realized they were getting too old. I think Brosnan was also getting too old and dying another day. That was the other key thing that I was like, he's, he's looks good, but I think he's, it's, he's, the gap's getting bigger. Yeah. The gap's yeah. getting it's, bigger. It's wild. It's wild, you know, especially for, for you to, like, watch them all in one go to see somebody age like yeah. i mean because Brosnan is an extremely attractive young man when he does golden eye oh like, yeah it's wild yeah like, too and, good looking i've heard some people say but and uh, then and then dino day it's like man they really they really worked on that hair like his hair is just that, like well and his, his prisoner of war beard oh yeah that prisoner of, I'll, we'll get to that that sequence later um so roger moore leaves 
and we got our boy Timothy Dalton coming in. Your your boy Timothy Dalton. My boy Timothy Dalton with Living Daylights and License to Kill. So Dalton, brief history on Dalton. Uh, they wanted him two other times before this, and he turned him down both times. Hmm. He they wanted him for Honor, Majesty, Secret Service, but he said really? he goes, I'm too young and I don't want to follow Connery. Uh, wow. And I, I think he was up for. Let me get the the let me get the exact one because there was one where Moore was about to leave, but didn't leave. But they were talking with uh. For your eyes only, Moore considered quitting, and Timothy Dalton was asked. He said he didn't like the direction the series was become or didn't like the direction the series was going, and so he turned it down. So they come back to him for Living Daylights, and he does it. And Living Daylights and License to Kill. And I don't know. I know Thomas is not a huge fan of these. We'll see if he changed after rewatching Living Daylights. This is where they go. Okay, you saw those Roger Moore ones that were very campy and funny. Let's let's really lean into the eighties like dark action movies. And so Dalton's version of Bond is the darkest we've probably seen. He's not questioning his government, but he's aware that his government that he works for is very problematic. And it's just doing it for like God or, or queen and country type thing. He's like, it's the job. And this is also where I think with these Dalton bonds, it gets more violence. You begin to see the, the female characters develop uh, the bond women. And it does become more eighties, like production design music living daylight or living daylights has um, aha uh-huh. uh-huh as their song license to kill has Gladys Knight. I really like these Dalton movies. I feel like if you don't have Dalton, you don't have the Craig movies. I think it sets up that world. I think with License to Kill, it's more of a revenge mm. story, which is the first time that's really happened in a Bond film. Uh, also, too, Nolan, Nolan, I think, is a fan of these because uh, the opening of License to Kill is the opening from Dark Knight Rises with Bane. It's the exact mm. same thing. Um, go ahead, Thomas. You're, you're, you have some thoughts on these. I just, I don't think it, like, I... I... Uh, maybe I'm just in bond for the camp, but I think I'll, I'll prove myself wrong when we get a little bit later on. But like, I just don't think it has bond flavor to it. Like I, I don't, I think it's just missing that like bond spice. I think, I think they're living daylights as a, you could have put Stallone in this movie and it would have worked. I will say living daylights that it, that, that that's why when he's going off to like, uh, Oh gosh, he starts, it's, it, it, he, he's helped. Is it Pakistan or is it, Afghan, like he, who's he helping at the? It's end? Afghanistan. It's the Afghanistan, it's the Taliban. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's you know when you're talking about Bond movies that have an age well, you don't expect that's one true. from the mid eighties. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the the portrayal of the Taliban in this movie is very strange. Has not aged well. They're um, if, spoiler if you haven't seen the movie. Uh, the Taliban and James Bond are very good buddies. They are good friends. They're great friends. In the end, they all they all come they all come and barge into a symphony concert. Symphony, to, yeah. And they're like, "Where's James?" <laughs> <laughs> I just love I love the moment of like the guards trying to stop the Taliban from bursting into the symphony, and then the the cellist being like, "Oh, it's fine. They're my friends." And the guards are like, "Okay, all right, <laughs> let them in. It's the Taliban." <laughs> I still I still like it. I don't care. It's it's uh I I like the 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 dark side of Bond. It also feels like with these they're trying to 
make them a little bit more spy driven in the sense that like there's not a whole lot of like double and triple crosses in the in the bond movies you have your like you have your basic femme fatales and like sometimes there's like i know this woman is dangerous but bond is like i'm gonna try and seduce her anyway and then she ends up you know trying to kill him yeah but um they they really mainly function on like here this is the bad guy you're after go find him and like that's that's it and these movies are more trying to be like this guy is triple is double crossing this guy who's double crossing uh, this guy. I mean, Living Daylights is Living Daylights. Yeah, I, I, License yeah. to I think License License to, to Kill is a little bit more of a revenge movie. Yeah, that's why I, I, I like both of them. License to Kill. It feels very different for a Bond film because it's a revenge story. Because yeah. Felix Leiter is is harmed by this this uh cuban drug dealer also too the again with the 80s part both of dalton's movies deal with like drugs in some way mm-hmm. which is a very 80s kind of trope uh specifically in license to kill it's a very like cocaine is the i think i believe is the drug they're trying to like smuggle from place to place um but yeah a cuban drug lord like kills felix Leiter's wife in the opening uh and uh basically has like a shark bite off Felix Leiter's arm and leg. And so Bond, it's it's now a revenge story for Bond, which we haven't seen really before. Um, you get a little bit of that in Diamonds of Forever at the beginning of it, but then it kind of it becomes a different story. But License to Kill becomes like, I'm doing this for Felix, you son of a bitch. Like that's mm-hmm. like he's going after the Cuban drug lord because of that. And I think it's a cleaner plot than than living daylights living daylights has a very like it feels kind of all over the, the place. russians the americans the yeah, taliban so it's a lot of stuff um but license to kill is the one where it's a lot cleaner and it feels it definitely is trying to go into the like the dark psyche of bond and what he'll do for <laughs> what i just realized i was thinking about like the living daylights and i was like there's good russians there's bad russians there's good americans they're bad americans really the only people that were presented as is all good are the taliban (laughs) (laughs) anyway i still defend the dalton movies uh i um i I reached out to i've got a a really good friend of mine who who loves the the bond movies and the books and everything and anytime one of us is like watching james bond we we end up texting about bond theory and stuff and I just texted him the other day because you texted me and said you really enjoyed The Living Daylights. I normally just kind of the Dalton movies are like flyover movies for me for the most part. Yeah. So I went back and I, I watched The Living Daylights because you said it and I texted him and I was like, what are, what are your thoughts on Timothy Dalton? And he said, I think he was a he's a great actor who just got trapped in a moment where like the Bond franchise didn't know what it wanted to be. And I think he would have done better than Brosnan in any of Brosnan's movies, which I don't know that i agree with but i thought was just to introduce another opinion into this well done money penny that's her records just sent over this translation cara milovi talented scholarship cellist whose arm was injured in a minor accident during an intermission last week will be back at the academy on thursday afternoon playing borrowed in string quartet number two in d it's tomorrow money penny i'll need travel documents for tangier via bratislav and keep this between ourselves. That girl must be very talented. Uh, believe me, my interest in her is purely professional. Just taking the Aston Martin out for a quick spin cue. Be careful, 007. It's just had a new coat of paint. I I do think Dalton, because um, Dalton, the reason why he didn't do a third one 
there was a lot of litigations after License to Kill of like who was going to own like distribution of the Bond movies. And because of the the lawsuits and all that, everything kind of froze with the production of a Bond film. And that's when Dalton's contract uh, expired. He had a seven year deal. And he originally said, no, I don't want to come back and do a Bond film. But then there were talks of a, a new one. He's like, hey, I would love to come back, do one more. Let's take the good stuff from the, the two movies I made and let's like consolidate it and make a tighter like story and have like a closing movie. And Albert Broccoli's like, yeah, we need you to do four or five if you come back. We don't want you just to do one. He's like, well, I'm getting older. I'm not doing four or five more. I just want to do one. So in that in that case, I'm out. And that's how Pierce Brosnan comes into it. Brosnan was actually supposed to be the Bond in Living Daylights. That like he would he would basically had signed on, or he he basically agreed that they like he's going to be the next Bond. And he was on a TV show called Remington Steel. Love Remington Steel. Huge Remington Steel fan. Actually, I had I used to have all of Remington Steel on DVD. Oh man! So he was he was in Remington Steel. And he did the did the um, audition piece, did a screen test. Well, he wasn't technically Remington Steel didn't exist. Yes, that's we, the whole. If we want to get yeah. if we yeah. want to get into the plot, he pretended to be Remington Steel. It was a female PI who who didn't because uh, I, I was in the show. But no I was one, no one would hire her because she was a female PI. So she invented the name Remington Steel off of her typewriter, and then he was a con artist. And he just showed up one day and was like, I'm Remington Steele. And she was like, no, you're not. And he's like, you can't prove that. And then they became like <laughs> detective partners. And they had this like, well, they want, they love, hate relationship thing. It was great. I really enjoyed so, that show. So he, he had it and they're canceling Remington Steele. Well, when that, when they, when there was word that he was going to get Bond, the rating shot up. And they're like, oh, we can't cancel the show now because he's going to be Bond. We got to use that. So they, they re-up uh, Remington Steele and Broccoli, Albert Broccoli was like, hey, Bond cannot be associated with TV series. We're not going to use Pierce Brosnan. Let's go with Timothy Dalton. And that's how Dalton comes in. So Brosnan comes in and they're like, hey, we can't have Brosnan do a screen test again. Let's go look at his old screen test from like the 80s. And that's how he got cast on GoldenEye. And so, you know, you know, they, they use the same scene, by the way, for every screen test, apparently. I did not know that. Yeah. So they use... They use a scene from from Russia with love and hmm. it's the bedroom scene. There's a bedroom scene where Connery comes in and he like takes a shower. He thinks mm -hmm. he grabs the gun, thinks someone's in there. Grabs he hears the somebody gun. moving around in the yeah. bedroom and then he sees that it's Tatiana and that's, that's the first time they meet. And they, and then he kind of like seduce, like seduces her. They, they have like a, a, a flirtation and they pick that scene because they say, you see all of James Bond in that one scene. You see the like grabbing the gun, going to action, and then you see the charming, flirtatious, sexy Bond, and so that's the one they always use for for Daniel Craig, for Pierce Brosnan, for Dalton. I think pretty much from mid '80s onward, that's the screen test scene they use. I've heard. You look surprised. I thought you were expecting me. Uh, so you're Tatiana Romanova. My friends call me Tanya. Mine call me James Bond. Well, now that we've been properly introduced. Careful. Guns upset me. I'm sorry. I'm a bit uh, upset myself. 
You look just like your... your photograph. You're one of the most beautiful girls I've ever seen. Thank you. But I think my mouth is too big. No, it's the right size. For me, that is. Is it here? What? The decoding machine, Lecter. Must we talk about it now? Or is it at the Russian consulate? Oh, yes. Yes. I would need a plan of the place. If you could get one, we could meet at the San Sofia Mosque, like we were tourists. Why don't you ask me that later? Now what are you looking for? This scar. You see, I know all about you from your file. Oh, you do? Well, I hope you're not uh, disappointed. I will tell you in the morning. So Brosnan comes in, does Goldeneye. Brosnan does four movies. Thomas, I'm going to let you start this. I mean, Goldeneye, Goldeneye is one. It's. I think it was a great introduction for Brosnan. I think. I agree with that. The, some of the best Bond movies are the ones when they said, we've got a new guy coming in. We've got to change things up a little bit. And and they, I think they really, I think they really swing for the fences when they're, when they're bringing someone new in and um, golden eye just nails it. It's, it's gritty, but it's also like, I think Brosnan plays it a little more charming than Dalton does. I think he leans a little bit more into like the, the suave, like I look good in a suit and I'm gonna, you know, I'm, I'm just as much at home. I don't think Dalton, we, we never really got like Dalton at a casino or, you know, like he was always just kind of like in it. I think he's at a casino in in uh in license, license to, kill. to kill, I think, but I'm not Yeah, living no, daylight to have him like very very briefly at the symphony and then like he immediately reveals that his tuxedo turns into like a stealth suit. But um like I, I just I, I don't think he was like action bond. Like I'm I'm in it for the action and Brosnan was a little bit more of, of both. Like I can be at this party, I, agree. I can charm you and then I can go into a, a, a firefight yeah and um yeah i think i think goldeneye is great i think it's a little overhyped because of pe- how much people love the video game yeah. which is an iconic video game that really launched uh the first person shooter franchise yeah. um but that's you know that's separate um but no I, I, it's really good and it's and it brings you back the the living daylights and license to kill were both like very grounded plots yeah and Goldeneye is a little bit more like there's a satellite in the sky and we're fighting over control of it. And you've got this like crazy over the top henchman and mm-hmm. Xenia on, uh, on the top. Yep. And uh, she, cr- she crushes you with her thighs. Yeah. 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 And so I, I think it does a great job at, at bringing back more of that like camp flavor, but not feeling over the top camp at all. I agree with that. And I, I think tomorrow never dies also does that. Mm-hmm. Um, I prefer Tomorrow Never Dies a little bit more. Um, Dude, I, I I I think Tomorrow Never Dies is probably his strongest one too. But it's that not a lot of people think that. I, no, yeah, most no. most people lean Goldeneye, but um, most people say Goldeneye and everything else he did was terrible. Um, I just think Tomorrow Never Dies is a cool plot. Like I, that that was I, it's it's very 
like current you know it's very much of the times you couldn't have a sean connery movie about like a guy trying to influence the 24-hour news um yeah industry but it it works it it it's diabolical but also like very current and kind of it's not realistic but it's like oh, oh i get that like i get how someone could make money off of causing wars like that that yeah. feels real and 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 like oh cool what let's create outrage and that's how we create headlines and that's how we make money mm-hmm. it's very and, and i and i think also too i heard a little bit of the character was based on rupert Mur- murdoch i'm not entirely sure oh yeah so absolutely it's kind of, so it's, it's, it's around the time fox news is starting to starting up mm-hmm. um but yeah yeah, I mean, yeah tomor- he's, jonathan price is is a tom- lot of fun in it tomorrow oh yeah jonathan price chewing up the scenery as this maniacal media mogul is kind of amazing. Um, I love Michelle Yeoh as this, mm-hmm. like is, uh, as this, uh, uh, like this, the secret agent operative who's coming over and she partners with, with Bryson. And again, she's one of those that's on the same level, like the, the bond woman that's on the same level of, uh, bond. That's mm-hmm. what I think Dalton's Bonds do bring to the table a lot more is that a lot of his female characters are pretty much on the same level in terms of experience and what the, and, and uh, action as he is. And but it's Michelle Yeoh is probably the closest in terms of just like hand to hand. There's a hel- there's a helicopter coming in. We're, do- we're, we're doing the, the motorcycle chase. I think it's great. And they were talking about doing a spinoff film of just her. Mm. which they also talked about with Halle Berry as Jinx and Die Another Day. And we didn't get either of those. British Secret Service agent James Bond and his collaborator Wei Lin of the Chinese People's External Security Force were found dead this morning in Vietnam. Lacks punch, don't you think? It's old news, Elliot. We've been working together for months. Both our governments know what you and General Chang are up to. (laughs) I don't think so. You may have seen the general in the hallway just now, but perhaps with all your jetting around, you have not had chance to peruse today's headlines. I rather like the last one. It isn't even mine. I never believe what I read in the press anyway. Uh, Therein lies your problem, Mr. Bond. You see, we're both men of action, but your era and Miss Lynn's is passing. Words are the new weapons. Satellites, the new artillery. And you become the new supreme allied commander? Exactly. Caesar had his legions, Napoleon had his armies. I have my divisions. TV, news, magazines. And by midnight tonight, I'll have reached and influenced more people than anyone in the history of this planet, save God himself. And the best he ever managed was the Sermon on the Mount. Mm, You really are quite insane. The distance between insanity and genius is measured only by success. What do you, what's your thoughts on World's Not Enough? I I like World is Not Enough. It's 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 over the top for sure. Um, But I don't know. I think I think the the plot is is kind of fun. Like I I like the the double cross. So spoiler alerts in the World is Not Enough kind of bonds is assigned to protect this woman and they have this chemistry and you think she's going to be the bond woman and that she's kidnapped by this eco-terrorist when it turns out that she and the eco-terrorist are lovers and they're like in it together. Um, And I think, I think she plays it great. I really like her in this. And there's, there's definitely like, it's starting to get a little 
more ridiculous. You know, it's you're starting to see the writing on the wall, especially with Christmas Jones. The writing's on the wall there, Tom's. <laughs> yeah, everyone, oh, yeah. There we yeah. go. I should I should have tried to work more <laughs> Bond songs into this. Yeah. I mean, it's for your eyes only. Um, no, yeah. Everyone says Christmas Jones is is like the worst Bond woman yeah it's denise richards is like a nuclear scientist like it's just not i'm sorry come on guys but it's it's, to me the worst movie i watched in all these movies is die another day is broad i thought you were gonna say the world is not enough i was like hold up (laughs) excuse me (laughs) no but like in terms of the writing on the wall like what's happening all that stuff is like oh that sounds like die another day but like a little bit better die another day Remember what I said early on? Like, you got to have these, like, a few things to make a Bond film work. Like, so you'll have, like, A Beauty Kill has a great score and, and songs so that kind of up, like, lifts it up a little bit. There's not much in Die Another Day that works for me. I, I have one thing. You, I, 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 I told you, but um, I think Rosamund Pike is, is very good in this. She is. I mean, um, I, I think the cast is good in this movie. But I, I like her. I like her character. You know, it's like she's she's embedded with the the guy, and she's an agent. But then it's like, has she like gone over onto his side? And, yeah. Um. That's all. That's all fun. But other than that, oof. Just got. You know, I think there's there's something about you brought up gadgets at the beginning. I think there's something about like when a movie starts relying on the gadgets too much, that means it's time for like a like like a controlled burn you just got to burn it all down and come back to it (laughs) there's a line uh in in a his being bond book on mark mark uh uh edlett's book there's a part where he's talking to roger moore and he's talking about bras he's he's like how do you feel about those movies oh george's film damn good movie and he goes pierce played it so much like me though i did feel his films got a little too far-fetched invisible cars that's what that's what Moore says about <laughs> invisible cars, a, a an ice palace in the Arctic, and and windsurfing down a tidal wave, like and horrible CGI by the way, doing that. Oh, where yeah. it's like he's just going and like, oh man, he's surfing. It's like they just sat and looked at like everything ridiculous in any James Bond movie ever, and yeah. they're like, okay, I want to take like I want to take the unrealistic plastic surgery plot from Diamonds Are Forever. Yeah, I want to take like all this like skiing stuff and make an ice palace. I want to take ev- I want to top every car that's ever been done in the Bond movies. I want to make this one invisible and give it like make it a full tank basically. And it's invisible car chase. The, ha- yeah. it, 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 the car comes back up because well, the invisibility stuff, the invisibility stuff stops working at one point, and so that's the actual car chase. But I, I, I told you, I, I want the the audience to to know. Brandon texted me at one point and was like, "I might not get to die another day during this rewatch," and I said, <laughs> "You, you have to see Die Another Day to really get yeah, that's the true. like brilliance of Casino Royale." Yeah, I agree with that. And wh- what's weird because I want to bring it back a little bit to the spy, the spy episode we did at the beginning of the month. This movie came out a few months after Born Identity, and that's shocking to me because mm-hmm. Die Another Day feels like mid to late 90s cheese, just like it's the turn of the century, turn of the millennium. And it's like we're going to just like a bunch of CGI. You just love the cheesiness of it for the spy genre. And to think that Born Identity, which still feels really modern 
even mm-hmm. today when you watch it. Like there's a few things here and there that like feel like, oh, it's definitely early 2000s or mid or 2000s. But to think that came out like four months before Dino Another Day, I could just imagine like Barbara Broccoli and the producers of Dino Day being like, oh, shit. <laughs> I went to go see that one in theaters and they're like, yeah. oh, should we oh, pull it? Because <laughs> it's like, oh, we got to we got to rethink this. And yep. that's and I think Casino Royale, I think Dino Another Day being so over the top was a big reason. Oh, we got to we got to pull this back. But I do think like the born the, the greenness of a born identity spy movie had an effect on the Craig yeah. movies. In the in the first episode this month, I, I brought up we, we talked about 9-11, yeah. post 9-11 spy cinema and and Casino Royale is a if not being a direct you know, if if the British film industry is not necessarily making like direct reactions to 9-11, it is a direct reaction to what was happening in American cinema post 9-11. Um, it's a lot more about the cost of of protecting the world, the the personal, like what what links are you willing to go to? Are you going to lose your? Uh, I mean, there, there, a lot of the lines in in the song for Casino Royale, which I think is a great song. Get out of here, Rolling Stone magazine <laughs> ranking at number nineteen. Uh, but uh, Chris Cornell, it's it's I I love it. It's got all this like poker all these poker illusions and I, I don't know it's one of my favorite bond songs i think it's great uh i, I understand there might be some listeners that, that i'm making mad right now from what brandon's told me but um but yeah if there's a line that says if you take a life um do you know what you'll give mm-hmm. and um it's just like yeah it's, this is a this is a, a movie that strips it down to its bare core and says like is bond a killer like and why is bond a killer yeah and it this is spoiler alerts for when we do top five later on in my opinion this is the the best james bond movie okay 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 brandon might brandon might have some disagreements with me i don't know it's it's i I wouldn't say that craig is the best bond but i think this is the best bond movie um and partly maybe that's because i don't know when we get to my top five maybe it's saying something that like two of my top five bond movies are about him falling in love but <laughs> yeah casino royale is it it that's the one where it feels like hey we're doing a bond movie how can we subvert the bond like trademarks so like mm-hmm. the shaken not stirred line where like it happens when they go what uh when you ask about the martini it's like does it look like i give a damn like he's just like yeah, he says, does it look like I give a damn? I, I want a martini. And the guy's like, shaking or stirred? He's like, does it look like I give a damn? Here, here's, the, here's the thing. And, you know, we, we've been talking about, like, what what each Bond brings to the table. Even even outside of License to Kill, Daniel Craig is the first angry Bond. I agree like, with you on that. Yeah, yeah. Dalton is not. Dalton's still not, like, that angry. He's just like, not, yeah, not, this is what not, I gotta do. Yeah, yeah, not throughout. I think, he, I think he's more he tests authority a little bit more in license to kill and living daylights compared to the other ones. Uh, and, and that's kind of brings up the whole like going rogue aspect. I think is brought in the Timothy Dalton movies, but is very prevalent in the Craig movies yeah, of like, he, he's, he's mad. He's got a chip on his shoulder yeah. and he's out to prove himself. Yeah. And, and the Craig movies again, why I think the Dalton films and especially honor match secret secret service uh, are a big influence in the Craig movies because they're the first Craig is like the one where they're really trying to peel back the layers of James Bond mm-hmm. of the backstory of it, which is very apparent in Skyfall. Yeah. But 
Spectre does a little too much. Uh, <laughs> Spectre's Spectre, because I watched that for this, and uh, Spectre feel we're talking about like how Bond films are kind of going with the the like the the, the, the trends that are what's happening of the black exploitation or Star Wars or whatever, and this. Spectre definitely feels like, hey, let's kind of make this like a shared, like a, like a like a cinematic universe where everything's connected. Like mm-hmm. previously before Craig, it's like we're just going from like movie to movie to movie. You're going to get a few like holdovers. Like there's going to be references to Bond's past that kind of showcases that Dalton's playing the same Bond as Connery is or the same Bond as Le- Lazenby is. Like they're all the same, but there's just a few variations and they don't go fully in depth with that. Craig's just like, you know what? Every person in the past three movies, they're all connected, James. They're all connected, mm-hmm. and it's all because of me, James. Yeah, quantum. Well, well, so Casino Royale introduces the idea of there's there's this terrorist organization out there. There's something yeah. bigger out there. Um, and then Quantum of Solace, which is the only movie that has ever been a direct seat, like literally picks up immediately where the last one left off, is is all about that. But yeah. it's also just a revenge movie. Like, like yeah. there's there is a, you know, it's funny. A lot of people who have problems with Quantum of Solace are like, yeah, the like villain and his plot are like not that good. And I'm like, here's the thing, the plot to like steal water from the desert is doesn't does not matter because James is gonna kill that guy, <laughs> whether or not he's doing like he is he is only looking yeah. for revenge for his spoiler alert. He fell in, he falls in love again in Casino Royale and she doesn't make it yeah um and that is all quantum solace is about is he is out for revenge period and it's he doesn't really care like what their evil plan is he's just gonna kill them that's it casino royale it can't be like understated how much casino royale stripped back yeah what we knew about bond and and it's 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 kind of significant that they went back to fleming's first novel yeah because it it just takes everything that I i mean the movie itself reinvents itself by saying like james bond is a new agent he just got his 007 status and it there's no gadgets the only gadget he's given is a is a um defibrillator and the only car chase in the movie is like two seconds long yeah but it still absolutely works and and part of the reason everyone tried to adapt casino royale and they were just like you can't film a poker match and make it an exciting spy movie but he does yeah this should be stated this is they brought back martin campbell who directed goldeneye to do this one so shout out to him for like rebooting the bond franchise twice you've got a bloody cheek sorry i'll shoot the camera first next time or yourself you stormed into an embassy you violated the only absolutely inviolate rule of international relationships and why so you could kill a nobody we wanted to question him not to kill him for god's sake you're supposed to display some kind of judgment. I did. I thought that one less bomb maker in the world would be a good thing. Exactly. One bomb maker. We're trying to find out how an entire network of terrorist groups is financed, and you give us one bomb maker. Hardly the big picture, wouldn't you say? The man isn't even a true believer. He's a gun for hire. And thanks to your overdeveloped trigger finger, we have no idea who hired him or why. And how the hell did you find out where I lived? Same way I found out your name. I thought M was a randomly assigned letter. I had no idea it stood for... Utter one more syllable and I'll have you killed. I knew it was too early to promote you. 
Well, I understand double O's have a very short life expectancy. So your mistake will be short-lived. Quamasalis is one when I watched the first time and I, and, I, and you do see the, the spoilers of ending of Casino Royale. Oh, I guess that happened. Uh, I wish I would have known yeah. that before I walked in. Yeah, but you, you kind of, especially when, you know, at least you didn't have any attachments, but if you didn't know Bond, if you knew Bond coming into it and for some reason didn't see Casino Royale and they dropped you into quantum and they're like, he's doing all of this because he lost a woman he loved. You would be like, what? <laughs> no, not my hashtag, not my James Bond, but like, Craig sells it so convincingly. He is he is a bond with a lot of feelings. He has a lot of emotions. Yeah, Craig's bond has a conscience. That's the kind of the whole thing. It's like he's, yeah, he's got a soul. A, a lot of his his series, for better or for worse, is about like can James's soul be saved? And yeah, that that has never been asked in this franchise. Even even in On Her Majesty's Secret Service, no. I don't think they really ask that question. No, they don't. But yeah, it's uh. Yeah, Craig, I- I'm interested to see what happens with No Time to Die. Because Spectre does kind of feel like, oh, this is kind of the end. Like, how, like, where do you go to after Spectre? Not saying yeah. Spectre's great, but I'm saying, like, they've built up it's, they've, they've built up the world so much in Spectre. Where do you go? Well, I think they're building towards, and this is my whole thing, Skyfall. I rewatched Skyfall last night, and it's fantastic. It's extremely well done. Yeah. And it is a great blend of what we were just so if you take casino royale and quantum of solace as a whole you know it's it's one piece this this is the one that's like we're taking away everything you know about bond and here's here's daniel craig yeah yeah and skyfall goes okay we're gonna give you back a little bit of what what you were looking for here's miss money penny here's q here's like kind of some gadgets here's traveling all around the world and going to like cool exotic places and it works really well i think it's a really nice blending of of things and javier bardem is like top five yeah bond villains in this movie and it's a classic menacing off his rocker like yeah. bond villain performance again you got a great villain you got a great song you have a oh god who's the bond woman and sky i'm like on the bottom oh, berenice is a is a french actress i okay. can't remember her last name she's she's really she's really good in it um but then you also have like a really uh, they bring in Naomi Harris as Money Penny and and have her as yeah. a field agent, which it, they've got great chemistry playing yeah. off of each other. The opening's the opening's great. The opening's great mm-hmm. to have a Skyfall. But then Spectre came in and was like, "Okay, you guys liked that little like Bond fan service we gave you, so now, boom, Spectre's back, Blofeld's back. Here you go. We're we're back to the old Bond, and it's just Craig's Bond is not per- set up for that. That yeah. is not what." skyfall starts reintroducing like the quips skyfall has this kind of running thing where like m will be like what took you so long and he's got some pun about what he was up to they do it like four times in that one but then inspector you're at the point where he's starting to like crack puns left and right and you're just like this is not i i know this bond i've seen him like mourn the law he spent the last three movies like mourning the loss of his true love yeah like i'm not ready for for him to be like this there's one inspector when it's like uh when he's at the health clinic and he's like, oh, a vodka martini shake. That's right. Oh, we don't serve alcohol here. We're a health clinic. And he's just like, what is this place? And then Q shows up and orders him like this health drink. And as he's leaving, Bond just go, here's your drink, uh, Mr. Bond. He's like, oh, just pour it down the toilet. Let's cut the middleman. And I'm just like, what? Like, why is yeah. he? It was, just, it's, he's kind of, he's coming. And it's like in the middle, like when, when like shit's getting crazy, like yeah. she's being kidnapped. He's making a joke. He's about to get thrown out yeah. of this place. 
yeah it's it's just it's trying it's trying very hard to have the best of both worlds it's like cool we built up this like really deep emotional bond yeah but like also now we want to have him be punny and also be seducing women left and right which is something he doesn't really do like quantum solace especially is like nah he's he's like like the bond woman they've set up olga korienko is like they're just partners yeah. period there's like no sexual tension between yeah. them it's like we're we're both out for revenge here we go like he kind of has like a mentor role to her um the inspector's like uh no he's he's sleeping around and also he might be in love again so you know you never know <laughs> it it does feel like i i was watching when, when watching i was thinking it feels like they're making choices they should be making but they're going the wrong way with them. Does that make sense? Uh, I, I absolutely. My my whole thing, I, I wrote an article about this for our medium right after Spectre came out is um, because there were a lot of talks about not about recasting Bond after Spectre. And um, in the end, they they chose not to. And they 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 have made another movie with Craig. It's set to come out. Who knows when, whenever theaters are open again. And I my whole thing was we I've said this before in this episode, like we each bond is is different and they all yeah. have their defining traits and we know this bond at this point we know what he's about and craig's bond i i do think the franchise needs to go back to the more campy bond i think we're we're past that like i mean look at look at where mission impossible is as a franchise like it's ridiculous and we love it like we're we're past the like born point where we're like i need this to be gritty and realistic I think it is time to go back to a more campy bond, but Craig can't, we, we can't see Craig do that. Like he, that, that's not him. And, and Craig's a great comedic actor. I mean, look at, look at knives out. I'm not saying that Craig himself can't handle it. I'm saying that this Craig's bond yeah. can't handle that. It was interesting towards the end of a specter. It kind of, and that I've never really seen this before in the bond movies and correct me if I'm wrong, Thomas, but it, it, it leans more heavily into the ensemble at the end of Spectre. Hmm. So you have like Bond's going to do this thing, but now we got M, Q, and Moneypenny going to this other thing. And they're all kind of together and they have to Yeah, separate. I mean, well, I think, I think it's the first time in the franchise where we've really got like a well-rounded cast. Like you've got yeah. Ray Fiennes as M, you've got Naomi Harris as Moneypenny, you've got Ben, like everyone... It's it's a, it's the most yeah. stacked a cast has ever been. In the past, it's always just kind of been like, yeah, the same guys playing M as before, same guys playing Q, but like they don't you don't really know those guys outside of James Bond. Yeah, um, like they're more involved in. I mean, even though Money is no longer a field agent, they're more involved. Like Q showing up at the health clinic and wherever they're at uh, in the movie, uh, or Money helping like is kind of his mole as Bond's mole on the inside. And then M gets some action, which he got some action Skyfall as well before he was M. But he gets some action when he's like beating up a guy towards the end of the movie. And like he kind of gets he gets this little James Bond moment in a way. Mm. But yeah, it just feels like they're making interesting decisions, but they're just choosing the wrong one, like the, the wrong outcome every time. Like mm -hmm. I, I don't like that we have characters who sit down and go, okay, Mr. Bond, do you remember when this happened to you? Like, it's more like they're trying to, uh, if I can Skyfall, when they're peeling back James Bond, it felt organic and a lot of Spectre just felt forced. Well, and it's, it's a mo uh, the, I think the difference is in Skyfall, it's emotional development versus just exposition and yeah. Inspector and in Skyfall. It's like, oh, he was an orphan. He lost his parents young. That's why he feels this connection with 
with M. We also saw him, I think one of the most significant things about Quantum of Solace is between Casino Royale, they set up this kind of like father figure and, and like Mathis with him. And then we see him lose his father figure in Quantum of Solace. We see him lose his mother figure in Skyfall. Um, it's, it's a series about loss and, and all of the backstory we're given about him in Skyfall gives us direct knowledge of his like emotional state which is what this franchise has been about yeah and all the backstory we get we're given inspectors just like exposition to set up this new big villain do you have anything else to say about craig's bond right now before no i mean i'm very very excited for for the new one Kerry fukunaga's directing which i think is going to be really interesting um like you said i think it's the best visual bond we've had period especially skyfall with roger yeah. deakins and yeah. steve p and sam mendez directing um, even Quantum of Solace looks Mark Forster directed. I, I think it, it looks good. And it's got some really cool actions. If anything else, Quantum of Solace stands as like a cool action movie. It's got some really cool set pieces. And, and Spectre had like some great visuals. I think it's the first, the cold open of Spectre is great. It cold might be one of the Spectre, best cold opens, yeah, period. Is an, is but amazing. I think, I think the studio recognized something about that in that the, the cold open is like the movie poster. Like I think they recognize that. You know, that that was their strongest portion of the film. Yeah. Well, it feels like uh, what I because with some of the like the the Craig movies kind of subvert like how they start the films. Like they don't mm-hmm. always start with the the song and the credits. I feel or the the, the gun barrel opening. They yeah, Skyfall some- ends with it. And that, you know, that's another one of those things. Skyfall, like I said, is, a, is such a great blend of like okay you're you know this new bond let's give you a little bit of the old stuff yeah and that that's a fun little thing at the end they set it up they've got m in like the old school m office like they've built a new office modeled after m's office in like the first movie and they've got money penny they've got the little moment where she's like oh my last name's money penny um and then they close with the the shooting down the gun barrel and um yeah it's 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 a great like this is this is our new bond but we're going to introduce some of the old stuff and then specter just is like hey old bond let's double down yeah um we've kind of talked about the elements of bond we'll i'll we'll go back there real quick like the songs cold open uh the the formula one of the writers said for a bond film he was like it's a it's a i can't the steps he said he said five or six but only said four of the steps here are the four steps for him uh this is bruce firestein who did golden eye we're sending you on a mission. That's the M scene. Pass me the shoe scene. That's the gambling scene. I don't know why it's called that. It's not just about the diamond, Mr. Bond. That's the villain reveals plan. And then, oh, James, the ending beat where him and the lady have sex, basically. Mm-hmm. Those are your your four moments in a Bond film. And I don't know if all of Craig's Bonds do that, but Spectre does. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I feel like Spectre does all of them. I don't know if it, has, it doesn't have a gambling scene. Casino Royale, I think, works some of that in like really subtly. Like they yeah. do it really well. Like one thing, you know, it's such a trope of the Bond movies to have them like tight. Like like I think I think the big one everyone thinks of is gold is gold member gold member Goldfinger. Gold uh, you know, he's strapped to a table. He's got a laser slowly moving up that's going to cut him in half. Yeah. And, and Goldfinger's like, hey, I can tell you my whole plan because you're about to die by yeah. this laser. But I'm also, but the laser's also going to give you enough time to break out. Yeah. Um. Like, and so Casino Royale has that like tied to a chair moment, but it is dark and <laughs> and brutal. I yeah. mean, it, it's it's 
torture. We were watching Bond get actually really tortured. And so it's so new to us that you don't even really think about the fact that Lashif, who is another incredible Bond villain, I think Mads Mikkelsen, is like is telling him the plan yeah. pretty much. Uh, it, but it is so beyond anything we've ever seen before, we don't even realize it's a trope. Yeah. So, okay. So, um, yeah, you got you got form, you got guns, gun like his guns a big thing. Uh, the cars, the Aston Martins, and I think he used he used a different car. It was a Lotus, I think, during a lot of the more ones. Uh, Bond women, we said femme fatale, the sacrificial kind of character, the uh, sacrificial character, the final woman. Um, okay, which one do you want first? Do you want to do top five first? Do you want to do alternate universe cast and stats and all that stuff first? Let's end with top five. Okay, okay, give cool. me give me a, give me an alternate universe. alternate universe cast. There's a lot of these, so I'm gonna try to go through them quickly uh dr no there's a lot of people that were up for it there's five people i'm gonna say carrie grant they wanted carrie grant I, I, yeah i could have seen that and grant only wanted to do only wanted to do one film is what it was and he was like he was like 57 when he was doing it i think and they were like yeah we can't yeah. really so he's like we want you to do four films i'm only gonna do one they said no uh david niven mm-hmm. who later portrayed bond and casino royale the parody well, for one, David Niven and Ian Fleming were actually good friends in the World War in World War Two. So in the books, uh, Fleming actually makes reference to David Niven a lot of like being one of Bond's favorite actors. <laughs> and he wanted Niven to play it. And Niven actually almost got the rights to do Bond as a TV series in the 50s. But his producing partner was like, who wants to watch a British secret agent show? <laughs> um, Rex Harrison. Uh, Oof, was another no. one no thank you uh richard burton no thank you was also apparently offered honor majesty secret service as well and turned it down uh and then james mason for dr no those hmm. five uh for on her majesty's secret service timothy dalton turned it down because he didn't want to follow connery i was too young terrence stamp but producer harry saltzman thought his ideas were th- his ideas for the role were too radical he would have been weird. A Terrence Stamp on would have been Stamp weird. Would have been weird. Michael Caine uh, turned down because he he didn't want to be typecasted as a spy because he was in the Ipcris file, which had like, had like four, three or four films. Here's one for you, Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> but Albert Broccoli thought he had a poor English accent. Uh, oh, that's the only reason. That why? was the reason. Uh, Diamonds are forever. United Artists during this time really wanted James Bond to be American, by the way. Uh, Clint Eastwood was offered diamonds are forever. Nope. Said it should be an Englishman is why he wouldn't do it. Burt Reynolds offered James Bond said he wouldn't do it because he think an Englishman should be James Bond. Adam West. Same reason. All films like it should be an Englishman. Michael Gambon. Thought he wasn't attractive enough. And then you got Sean Connery back. For your eyes only, more considered quitting. And that was why Timothy Dalton was offered. And he didn't like the direction, so he turned it down. Octopussy. Here's your here's the one you're supposed to be, Thomas. And it was probably the closest mm-hmm. it ever was going to be. James Brolin. Screen tested for the role of James Bond. Went so far as to buy a house in London for filming. But more before more agreed to come back last minute. Wow. Living Daylights. 
uh, one of the guys who screen tested for the role, Sam Neill. Okay. But and and actually, I think the the producers were very impressed by him, but they ended up ended up going with Dalton instead. Mel Gibson. Ooh. I mean, I was about to say that's that's one of the especially licensed to kill feels like a kind of like a uh, lethal weapon movie a little they bit. They wanted MGM wanted Mel Gibson, but Broccoli said no because he was not British. Goldeneye. Sean Bean was the first choice to play Bond if Dalton did not return, but MGM said no, and Brosnan was cast. And he was brought in as as the as honestly, I love I love his character in that movie. Um, yeah, I think it's a really fun like it's. We've seen a lot of double agents in the Bond franchise, but not really done that way. Where like you, you really think this is like a good friend and colleague of his, yeah. and then he's he's killed off, and then comes back later as as the the villain. So producers liked him so much they wrote him into Goldeneye because of that. Because originally that character was a older mentor for Bond, mm. and they said, "What if we make him Sean Bean, and he's like the pair, like the 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 mirrored version of yeah." Of that's Bond. what I like. They're like doubles. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ray Fiennes auditioned for James Bond for Goldeneye, but did not get it. Liam Neeson turned it down to marry his wife, Natasha Richardson, because she said she would not marry him if he played Bond. Yeah, that was back when he didn't really do action yet. Yeah, that's what that was his excuse was that. All right. Casino Royale. Henry Cavill was the preferred choice of Martin Campbell, but was deemed too young because he, yeah. like, he was like 22 he's prime prime time now yeah just saying guys uh sam worthington no okay oh, okay oh, uh some, some of the, sam worthington was yeah. a thing some of these i'm not so sure about but sam worthington was up there uh clive owen yeah i i remember before before craig was cast everyone just assumed it was going to be clive owen like, yeah um, I remember being on the message boards, like who's going to be the new Bond, and everyone was just like, "It's Clive Owen. It's he is he's James Bond. It's it's yeah. Clive Owen." Uh, Dominic West, okay, was up there. Some of these, I'm sorry if some of these names are not wrong. If you guys are listening, uh, but that's what I'm reading online. Uh, Ray Fiennes was also apparently up for James Bond. Uh, Doug Ray Scott, who mm-hmm. was supposed to who was supposed to be uh, Wolverine as well. Wolverine, yeah, yeah. He was he was up for James Bond. Last one. Christian Bale, he turned it down because he wasn't into committing to the franchise or committing to a franchise that was, quote unquote, very British, (laughs) even thought James Bond represented every despicable stereotype about England and British actors. And he said he'd already played the serial killer in American Psycho. Wow. (laughs) Wow. He didn't just turn them down. He um, (laughs) just like said, let me give you my thoughts on this, (laughs) which Craig has said similar things about Bond of like, oh, he's misogynistic. Oh, yeah. He's a killer. He's like the even Lazenby in uh, in the main lives of James Bond. He even kind of says, like, oh, like Bond's a villain, but just does good things. Like it's like mm-hmm. he, they say he's like kind of he is a not. Yeah. Yeah. Bond. If, if you've got the, the the spy spectrum, you've got Bond on one end and Ethan Hunt on the on the exact opposite yeah, end. I agree. Uh, that's it on uh, that. So going to stats highest rated or let's see do you want highest rated or most popular first highest rated highest rated okay go ahead top three casino royale yep number one it's the best one skyfall number three uh uh from russia with love that's number four it's number two uh goldfinger goldfinger number two golden eye number five right yep (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, lowest rated. Uh, uh, this one's tough. Uh, Bottom three. There's some. There's some real stinkers. I'm trying to think more of like ones that Moonraker. Moonraker's number four. Bottom, it's number four. Die another day. Number one. That's the worst one on here. At a nice. two point four. Wow. I will tell you this: another Brosnan is in the bottom three. World is not enough. The world is not enough. This number is the second wow. worst. Wow. Bottom three, really? Okay, people. <laughs> uh number three a view to a kill <laughs> here's yeah, the I can see that a view to a kill um number five though bomb five i was gonna say it's quantum solace i mean i can i can see why i see why people dislike it i just think it's it's got it doesn't get enough credit yeah top three in popularity on letterbox list skyfall yep casino royale yep specter and that order that's exactly the order can you guess number four uh quantum Solace. correct I'm learning this letterbox game. <laughs> Bottom three, least popular. Uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service. No, that's in the middle. That's somewhere in the middle. Okay, License to Kill. Uh, that's number five. Two of these are more. One of these is is uh Dalton. Living Daylights. Number two, least popular. Uh, for your eyes only is the least popular one on Letterbox. Yeah. Yeah, it's when it it starts to it's weird because that one starts to get a little serious. That one like kind of starts cutting the camp out. Yeah. And then Octopussy like went back to it and then View to a Kill is like, nah, we're in 80s action movies now. But yeah, For Your Eyes Only is it's not distinctive enough in either direction for it to really be yeah. like uh, a View to a Kill number three, by the way, hmm. uh, Octopussy number four, License to Kill number five. Most appearances. Uh, uh outside is it someone who's not james bond correct someone not james bond q the the, the yeah desmond, yeah, desmond llewellyn who starred desmond in, llewellyn. who starred in 16 bond movies his first appearance however was not dr no it was from russia with love mm-hmm. and his last one was the world is not enough all right bond trivia for you thomas i'm gonna ask you some okay. questions see if you can get these how many kills does it take to get double o status uh two correct it is two the the first the first one's always the hardest uh but the second one should be considerably easier (laughs) um ian fleming wrote the majority of his stories from his home in jamaica what was the name of his estate uh goldeneye it was goldeneye i was like do you need choices no uh what two bond actors never said shaken not stirred when ordering his famous drink dalton not Dalton says it. Dalton does say it twice in both movies. Brosnan. Brosnan said it as well. Wow. All right. Well, <laughs> we know one's probably got to be Lazenby just by purely yeah. how statistics one, work out, right? One is Lazenby, yes. Um. Does Craig never end up saying it? Craig says it. Does Does Roger Moore not say Roger it? Moore never says shaken, not stirred. What? He said he did not wow. want to say it because that was Connery's line. And so when you watch the movies and it's also also most mixologists think that's a terrible way to make a martini. <laughs> so basically everyone are, are always orders his drink for him or it's mm-hmm. already made for him in the more films. Yeah, well, you know what? I'm going to throw out a Bond trope. He needs to stop letting people make his drinks because James <laughs> Bond has been poisoned too so many, many times. times. So many times. There's one point in Dr. No and they're drinking coffee and they're just like, oh, it's 
it's been drugged and he just they just pass out. oh i love that scene i, I love that scene because it's so obvious there's nothing he, he like takes he picks up this coffee mug and he's acting like it's all full and then he just tilts it all the way back to where it's like touching his forehead um do you know when connery says shaken not stirred what movie uh does it show up in from russia with love it is not is it goldfinger it's goldfinger okay all right. Uh, what is the only official Bond film where James Bond does not drive a car? Wow. At all, period. <laughs> uh, I mean, Casino Royale is close. He barely. Yeah, he drives. It's a Connery one. It's like one. two shots. He pulls, out of, he pulls out of the casino and then he wrecks it like immediately. <laughs> I remember sitting in the theater and being like, oh, here comes the car chase. Woo! And then he like just wrecks. <laughs> and it's a bad wreck, too. It flips like eight times. Uh, it's a Connery one. Oh. Uh... I know he drives. Is it you only live twice? You can only live twice. He does never. He never drives a car. Mm. Um, what is the motto on the Bond family coat of arms? Ooh, you you got me on. I I, I know of this. I know that there's a motto because it plays yeah. in a lot to the like young Bond series. But I don't I don't know it off the. So it's it's said in on Her Majesty's Secret Service because. Mm. apparently there was a sir thomas bond that was like a, a a famous famous englishman who was like a landowner and when lazenby is going undercover they're using that motto as like some part of his like historical thing the world is not enough ah. it's, the, it's the actual motto on the bond family coat of arms that's a great that's a great line in that movie she says she's like come with me james i can give you the world and he just shoots her and says the, the world, world is not, not enough, enough um what is the only james bond song to top the u.s hot 100 billboard charts i can give you Uh, skyfall i can give you choices is it skyfall it's not skyfall is it live and let die it's not live and let die wow what skyfall was huge that was on the radio like constantly uh that was two of the five choices uh live and let die Die was number two skyfall is number eight the other three choices i will give you writings on the wall by sam smith a view to a kill by duran duran and nobody does it better by Carly Simon. Nobody does it better. No, that was number two. Wow, was it Sam Smith? I don't remember it. It was it, not Sam Smith. It was a beautiful kill by Duran Duran, baby. Wow. Number one, the only number one uh, Bond song, uh, "Rings in the Wall" by Sam Smith. Seventy-one was the highest it got on the U.S. Hot 100. I remember it didn't it didn't blow up huge, but I actually really like that. I, I said that it's got the one of the best cold opens. It, yeah, I, I like the opening title sequence too. But Rings in the Wall is the only Bond song to top the UK charts. Oh. So it did it did low here. Adele highest it got was number eight for Skyfall. Live and Let Die and Nobody Does It Better by Carly Simon, both number two. Uh lower the last. Oh yeah, who is the youngest actor to portray James Bond? Uh was it Lazenby? It was Lazenby. He was 30 years old. And then last question for you. What does Spectre stand for? Wow. No, I, I have no idea. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to leave this one the last one because I, I, I heard them say the name and I think Inspector. I was like, oh, that's a long ass name. Yeah, that's a lot. Of, I, I didn't even know that it stood for anything. Special Executive for Counterintelligence, Terrorism, Revenge, and Extortion. <laughs> it's a mouthful. Putting revenge in your like official <laughs> title is so dumb. Like revenge is a very personal thing. It can't be your company yeah, motto. Your company motto. <laughs> okay. Final questions, Thomas. What are your top five Bond films? All right. The the order kind of changes sometimes, but I think it, it's Casino Royale number one. Period. Okay. Owner Majesty Secret Service two. Okay. 
Skyfall 3, From Russia with Love 4, and then I think I think I gotta put You Only Live Twice, I think it's five. <laughs> just because for the pure camp. It is it's my favorite of just the like out and out ridiculous ones. That's that's fair. That's fair. Uh I'm gonna go five to one for you. Okay. We're pretty close though. Uh from Russia with Love, number five. Uh Goldfinger, number four. Skyfall, number three. As of right now, number two, Casino Royale. And number one on Her Majesty's Secret Service. All right. I can respect that. I thought you were going to say The Living Daylight. Living Daylight. Like, You're like, you son of a No. Our Majesty's Secret Service. Brandon, <laughs> why do you love the Taliban so much? <laughs> so Our Majesty's Secret Service, I want to real quick, because I didn't mention it really when we were talking about it. Also, one of the first, I love Diane Rigg as uh, as Countess mm-hmm. Teresa or Tracy as she goes by. They're chemistry in that movie is so it's it's so good to me and this some of the ending scenes when they're like when they've fallen in love and they're 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 getting married some of their their chemistry just feels like so modern it could be in a movie mm-hmm. nowadays like their scenes together a lot yeah. of stuff is like the, in that film um also we didn't i didn't mention it the score is amazing in that mm-hmm. film, it's actually kind of the theme. the the theme the theme the score theme Iron Match Secret Service is like this kind of the alternate theme for Bond. I think they even used it in the Spectre trailer. Also, mm-hmm. it was La- Louis Armstrong does a song in that movie. It was the last song he ever recorded before he died. Again, I'm talking about like score and song and villain and uh, Bond woman and the. Um, kind of action set piece i feel like honor match secret service has all those things and it's perfect mm-hmm. feel free to talk about casino royale if you want to real quick if you haven't if you want to add anything about it um i mean i think for for much of the same reasons that that you were talking about with diana rick um i think eva green is incredible in this movie she is so charismatic and the their chemistry is insane like the the just the the these two characters these two actors playing off of each other is wonderful and she it, especially to give us like a young bond like right as he's starting to develop all his like bond shit you know it's like i'm james bond and to have like an immediate foil just being there like nah you're you're full of it like yeah cut it out <laughs> it's so good and uh, i really like mathis as like another kind of friend to him um mm-hmm. i like that they introduced like kind of a new side character yeah. um played really well and they they brought back felix um, yeah jeffrey Jeffrey wright Wright. yeah um it's got a great villain i think it just it it reinvented the the genre so well while also giving us like little pieces Mm -hmm. of yeah i just i think it's it's incredible it's an incredible movie it the it does it's one of those movies that like does not feel its runtime whatsoever yeah like it moves so fast i agree with that and um especially for a movie about poker <laughs> but <laughs> um, but this and the set pieces like that was the first time i'd ever heard of parkour was when this movie first <laughs> oh, came out opening, I, I remember opening. i got home and i like looked up online i was like what are they doing in the beginning of this movie that is wild and it was like online i was like yeah the guy that the, the stunt guy that they chose to play the villain in this scene is like the foremost parkour runner in the world i was like what is that um but it's it's great that that beginning sequence in madagascar is amazing oh it's amazing the sequence in, in 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 florida at the airport is great 
it's um like it's it's that kind of movie you look back on it and you're like oh yeah that's about the movie about bond getting his heart broken and playing poker but like the the set pieces are and the the part in venice is crazy um it's just it's just really really well done and they i think it was like on her majesty's secret service i think everyone was just like this is a new bond people are going to be skeptical we have to make this perfect and i think just we luckily people recognized it right away with Casino yeah. Royale, whereas it took 40 years for people to realize it with Honor Majesty's Secret Service. And some still have not realized it. That's that's the hardship of that. That's the bad part. Yeah. Um, a few questions real quick. Can Bond continue after Daniel Craig? Absolutely. Um, I, I not to not to plug myself, but I wrote an article when when Craig was when Craig was talking about not coming back, I put an article together about like who the bookies in England were taking top odds on and how and why they, they would not work. And um, that was around the time that everyone pretty much thought it was going to be um, Tom Hiddleston. And I, I talked about kind of the benefits of him. I, I also tried to break down with someone like Idris Elba, who people were bringing up the the issue of age and how you have, we have seen in the past that, that you really want to cast someone younger because you want to have them for like a seven-year contract. Yeah. Sorry, Idris Elba, I apologize for that. But um, but I also brought up that I do think the franchise, to continue after Craig, it's got to go back to something campier. Yeah. And I think the world is ready for it. I think Craig did a great job. I love what they did with like brooding Bond, but mm-hmm. but give me like a super suave kind of an asshole bond again yeah. but like not not like not like craig's angry version um and so i i rated a lot of the people like like idris i said i think idris would make an incredible current bond but i don't know if he can pull off the like really suave cocky jerk bond i think he could but i think he's getting older but yeah yeah at the at the turn of when i wrote that article the person that was actually like out it wasn't really in news art news articles at that point but he had actually moved to la around the time of the recasting and had started taking a lot of meetings at Sony and was seen walking around with Sam Mendes at the time, um, was an actor named Aiden Turner Mm -hmm. who has done a lot of British television. He was in the Hobbit movies. Um, and I still think people might be eyeing him for after this next one, but, um, yeah, but yeah, I think, I think you, you really got to get back to don't, I mean, don't go, I'm talking early, connery camp i'm not talking like roger Moore more camp. camp okay gotcha yeah but i think you got to make it a little bit more retro honestly i think you got to make it a little bit like man from uncle <laughs> <laughs> Just, you got to make it stylish you got to make it retro you got to make it fun um you really just have to like so often we've seen the break from like the last franchise into the new one being yeah. to like make it grittier yeah we had that from more into dalton we had that from dalton into um, Brosnan Brosnan yeah. we had that from Brosnan into Craig and I think Craig has done such a good job at being gritty that the the break here to really say this is a new bond is to take him back to being suave and 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 charming and punny and all yeah. of that uh Connery said this is way back in the day Connery said the perfect age for a James Bond character or James Bond actor is 30 to thir- 33 to 35 is what it was mm. and that range because then you yeah. can play it into your 40s and then retire mid 40s and still have a career, I guess. Will yeah. Bond ever die in these movies? Um, he has several times, <laughs> but he always comes back. 
Um, well, I mean, I don't want to get too deep to we're, we're getting towards the end of podcast. I don't want to get too deep in all the different theories of like, is James Bond the same person or is it a, just a title that's is given a to code, a, a code spy? name? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. Um, it, it'll make your head hurt if you start getting too deep into like the ways people try to tie these all together. Um, but I, I don't know that, that I don't think we need to see him die. I think that feels like something the Craig franchise might try and do, which they kind of did in Skyfall. But um, and I could see them like I could see Craig being really into the idea of like killing his off and then setting up someone new to take it over. Yeah. But um, I don't think he needs to, because like I said, we get a total reinvention every time we get a new actor at this point. Yeah. So the, the, the idea of like killing him isn't necessarily something we need to happen. It's more like, well, the modern modern audience of like Marvel Cinematic Universe and the current state of things, will they accept the usual transition they've done before. I guess that's my, mm-hmm. my, my, uh, theory. Two more questions. Where do you start? You're, you're jumping into James Bond. Like I was, uh, I think, I think from Russia with love is I, either from Russia with love or Goldfinger or really where you should start so that you're seeing Connery first. Yeah. But yeah, Dr. Knows is tough to get through if you, if it's your first bond movie. Yeah. Cause not, nothing's really there besides Connery. Yeah, do like from I, I Doctor No was one of my last ones to watch, and that was helpful. Um, I I would agree with you. I'm from Russia with Love, and then finally, how does Bond fit within the spy genre? Um, I mean, it's funny because he he is the spy genre. Like he yeah. he has influenced so much of the spy genre, but he's also completely outside of it. Like, uh, you know, you can, Mission Impossible. I don't think would exist without the Bond franchise. But I was thinking we were talking about the idea of like Bond always gets captured and tied to a chair and told the the plot and like Ethan Hunt would never get captured like that, <laughs> that just doesn't happen like uh, you know the he Bond himself is not particularly great at espionage um, and so you know it's definitely not ever holding up to like a John Le Carre story um, that's just not what it's about but I think it is the seminal spy franchise yeah and you have a very hard time saying that any spy film is not influenced by this by this franchise at this point yeah and i would even go as to say that pretty much any franchise nowadays the 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 roots of them are all in james bond do you have any final questions for me thomas about my how's how's your are you going to continue watching are you, are you is this it you just you binge and walk away or are you are you in, are you in it now well i still have, i still have like one or two left to go so my my goal right now i'm gonna finish them all by the end of the year for sure that's my goal right now um because i want to see them all before no time to die comes out whenever that comes out um there are ones i want to revisit for sure i really like i i could see myself revisiting honor majesty secret service for sure Mm-hmm. Um, I could see myself revisiting License to Kill, Timothy Dalton, baby. Um, I could see like, Goldfinger. I would revisit for sure. Um, most of the Craig ones. I would. I would say. I would. I would revisit Spy Who Loved Me for Roger Moore. Um. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the camp ones are. Fun. That's the thing with the ones that get campy to the point where they're almost like cult movies. <laughs> It's like it's actually more fun to rewatch some of the bad ones. It, it's why it's such an interesting <laughs> franchise because yeah. you have some really incredible movies I, in here, and and sometimes I just find myself like wanting to rewatch Live and Let Die, yeah. knowing that it's awful. 
<laughs> I would say it's awful, but yeah, I, I get, I get, I get the idea. Um, I, I, you can only have twice. I'd rewatch for sure. So we'll see. I, I'm excited. Well, like I said, I'm about to finish up the franchise within the next few days. That's the hope. But the thing is, though, we're prepping for our next month, and that's gonna take a little time out of my schedule to finish the bond. And so, guys, next month we are doing sequels. Not really a genre, <laughs> but I find sequels very interesting to talk about because there are tropes within movie sequels. And so next month we're going to be talking about those. Um, but that's our, our 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 theme for next month, movie sequels, specifically the first sequel of a movie we're going to be talking about, like the number two. But yeah, we'll dissect that next month. And so make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Give us a rating. Give us a review. We'd love to hear from you guys. And that helps people kind of find us. Make sure you like us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and on Medium. And I think that's it. Anything else to add, Thomas, about James Bond? I think, I think, we, I think we might have covered him, man. Yeah. Thanks for watching all of these movies. You're this. welcome. It was great. Thomas, thank you so much for joining me as always. And thank you guys for listening. Hope you listen to more episodes soon. Bye.